Hey everyone, this is Nathan from the podcast you are about to listen to. I wanted to give a quick note up front. In addition to the potentially triggering things that are in the anime episodes that this podcast episode is discussing, there will also be some talk about sexual assault as well as suicide. Just wanted to give people a heads up for those that require a heads up for that sort of thing because I would really hate it if I ruined your day. But you know what really makes my day is the people that are on our Patreon and are on the Golden Skull tier, which comes with complimentary shoutouts. This episode's shoutouts go to Emily Lyon, Jet Set Spy, Pilnock, Nancy Konek, Nene12715, Nick Potter, Phantom23, Spence, and Stephen Mayfield. And shout out to new Silver Skull tier members Leslie Gideon and Nathan Watts. And as a reminder, even though with this podcast episode, we have covered every single episode of My Hero Academia that is available to us right now. Next episode, we will be discussing Heroes Rising, the My Hero Academia movie. The episode after that, we will be watching Pokemon I Choose You. That's available on Netflix. And after that, we will be starting Attack on Titan. But before we can start a new journey, let's end this one. Previously on The Big Three. It's a given that people will show up and save the day, and that's a good thing and a bad thing, and I wanted to plant that seed early on, that it is people assume that somebody will come and save the day. The news shifts public perception, and like mm -hmm. that becomes something that, that comes into play later. Right. Society takes it really seriously when somebody with the ability to kill super easily just does what they want um, without any oversight or planning. The quote in the dub that I wrote down was, you think that you can get away with being as violent as you want as long as you say it's for heroics. Mm -hmm. Damn, he's spitting. What I am here means is incredibly important. Uh, like all Deku wanted to hear was that somebody believes in him. Mm -hmm. And like as a cheesy way to say it, they, he wants somebody to say, I am here. Welcome to The Big Three, the show that recaps My Hero Academia episode by episode and delves into themes, trivia, and more. I'm your host, Nathan Brandt. I'm your host, Jessica Howard. I'm your host, Cam Koenig. Yay! Cam Koenig. <laughs> Cam, Cam Koenig. <laughs> this is our last episodic episode for a long time. Yeah. What in the fuck? <laughs> of My Hero specifically. I mean, assuming they don't listen to this and they're like, oh man, let's just expedite that that season yeah. and, and get it out so there's no break. And they just yeah. put it out in two weeks. It's fine. But yeah, man, we're going through episodes 111 through 113. Some would say the hardest episodes to watch of the entire uh, series. Yeah, no fucking kidding. Like, you messaged our group this morning saying, hey these episodes are really hard to watch and i'm like okay like I, I, like i like i don't want this to sound rude but like i i do feel like i am able to handle things a lot better than like a lot of sure some people like i know that that's like you know like yeah you don't re you don't require warnings or heads totally up for a yeah like stuff. i'm i am like pretty above board on that but who buddy um <laughs> man 
this felt like a fucking full metal alchemist episode it did it totally did dog included yeah 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 man i I told you guys last episode like when i read the manga for this i had to put it down and cry for a little bit because i was just like i (laughs) mean i just oh my god i fuck it was it's it's hard it's a hard watch this might be a hard listen for for y'all listening. Might be a hard record. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you um, think I'm drinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, episode 111, Tenko Shimura Origin. Uh so we begin with twice lamenting that Toga's measurements aren't good from before. Twice continuing to be maybe the best character in the show. Teenagers are scary. <laughs> <laughs> So he's worried that he won't be able to do a blood transfusion with a damaged double, which is like fucking smart. That's Mm -hmm. brilliant as shit. Because that wouldn't cause her to disappear, right? Yeah. But like, it's it's like, is mm, is the double damaged too much already to like even do? It's just like, have you had to give yourself a blood transfusion in the past, dog? Uh, like probably how, yeah how did this come front of mind to you that's insane. how does he know how to do a blood transfusion <laughs> just in general yeah that's this is a level above like siphoning gas or something yeah. like that you're like oh you probably had a fucked up life and you know how to do this it's like no we're gonna we're gonna do a blood transfusion like, like this motherfucker has been shot like a lot it really just conceptually though is brilliant like he's, he's yeah the episode kicked off with that and i'm just like Holy shit, what a big brain move. Yeah, I never would have thought of that. I was out here fucking surprised when Midoriya was like, oh yeah, I have legs. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why twice is the street smart Momo, like like Jess was saying last time. So he argues with his doubles about the best way to do everything, but the real twice takes command as the leader of the gang, which he could not do before, Mm -hmm. uh, and keeps them on task. He's, he's like, I'm sorry that your face got all fucked up, but I'm sure Dobby knows a good plastic surgeon. Actually, I don't think he does. Give nah, it looks like, nah. Dobby, Dobby looks like dog shit. I'm glad someone said it. I was just like, that's not an inspiring like person to look at. No. I think, that, I think I, that might be the joke, but I'm I hope like, it is. I, <laughs> It's just like when your friend says, like, oh, I know a really good person who did, they they, they did my hair, and you look at their hair, and you're just like, uh-huh. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, all right. I'm going to go to fucking, I don't know, Super Clips or some shit. Fantastic Sam's or whatever the fuck. Yeah, fight. God. Um, so Spinner is absolutely in way over his head here, uh, but it's way too late to turn back now. He says to Hanabata that a big buff shot shouldn't be up with the randos and that those that don't know their role shouldn't play the game. And in Japanese, he says you should be insta blocked, which is very good. (laughs) And Hanabata is like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy we get the, uh, the mini Gex story arc here for like a few minutes. Yeah. Pretty good. And and, and he is Gex. That's it. (laughs) Um, yeah. I said Hanabata is a politician, so he has no idea what the young people are talking about, uh, but he has an idea. He tells Spinner that the world that they're building doesn't really have room for weak metas like him, so he's disposable. He uses his own patented detonarat item, the Sevens Loud, boosting his quirk, and we get a present mic intro. Hey, this quirk sounds fucking familiar, huh? <laughs> hmm. Koku Hanabata, a.k.a. Trumpet. The Trumpet. The Trumpet. The Trumpet. Meta ability, 
insight. He powers up the minds and bodies of those that believe in him. As we've said before, he's just a bard. Yeah, um, but an evil bard. It's very good. Yeah. Very, very good. This is just present Mike, but as a lobbyist, kind of. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, 100. You got it. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the present Mike I would never want to hang out with. No. This no. dude drinks O'Doul's. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He drinks O'Doul's in his fucking jeans, just like fucking untucks his shirt. And he's like, I'm going to have a good Friday night. I'm like, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> While well, he's All still right. wearing his flip flops inside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Spinner and the Twice Clones, uh, which is a good band name, get absolutely mm-hmm. housed by the MLA, but uh, Spinner gets, like, exploded. <laughs> a guy jumps on him, and it, oh. like, whoosh, boing. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, what was that? <laughs> I know we just talked about these last episode, but, like, I just, like, I think at some point, like, in between watching the last group of episodes and these group of episodes, I think I just forgot for a second. I'm like... Oh, right. They they probably will just kill each other. Like, this is going to be fucked. Oh, yeah. There's a hundred thousand of them. <laughs> yeah, the whole uh, villains arc has really been a lot of like, oh, they can do that. <laughs> like emotionally, too. Not just like like yeah. physically. It's like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, they can go to these places. OK. I really feel like in the last six or seven episodes there's been more blood than in the entire series so far mm-hmm. yeah and that's with deku yeah. breaking his fingers like 40 like fucking times. every fucking <laughs> half an hour yeah and one guy ate blood so yeah hey, spinner lands elsewhere on a wall because his quirk is gecko that's it yeah hell yeah it's tail time let's go <laughs> that's that's all he can do he couldn't be a hero or do anything useful with his quirk in society so trumpet says that he must have been a shut-in and like this is so fucking good it's so mm-hmm. smart like spinner's quirk and character he's a hanger-on literally he's a mm-hmm. bandwagon rider that became a loyal follower he sticks to walls and that's about it and he sticks to his leader and that's about it and he's like super okay with that which is cool yeah. like I, I think that a lot of people think that there is, you know, some sort of shame in not being somebody who is like entirely, I don't want to say independent, but like being a follower is okay. Like yeah. if that's what you, if that's where you want to be at. And I think that's really cool that he's like, no, I'm actually pretty fucking cool where I'm at. Yeah. He just wants to see the world that Shigaraki's making. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it kind of ties into my hero's larger theme, too, of, like, exceptionalism and, like, having Mm -hmm. to be, like, and striving to be the number one hero or the number one villain or I want to create the world I envision or I want to stop the world that they want to, you know, envision, blah, 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 blah. Um, Like, everything, and that's anime, too, right? Like, everything's extremely high stakes and everything is about being number one. Um, And so, like, it's nice to see there are some people and like they, they do this just throughout the show anyway. Um, but that's like that just don't subscribe to that belief yeah. that that's what they have to be or like, and maybe it's even a struggle to like get to that point. And I think that's a struggle in real life too, because we mm-hmm. are kind of told like, I don't, this is a, a bad example or whatever, like a very minimal example, but like I, so I write for a living, right? So everybody's like, Ooh, you want to like start your own publication one day. You're going to be like the, the yeah. hot shot editor of an outlet. You want to like, write a bunch I, of books. And it's like, oh, I well, have maybe. literally zero desire to be like the <laughs> yeah. like 
editor owner like i i don't like just corp bro i'm trying to pay rent like <laughs> yeah i have no desire to do that shit like do i love working with other people and like small teams is like that like sure i love having like you know like that's like like with uppercut right like being mm. like second in command to like ty being the person who was like the founder and like and doing that like yeah. i i like I like operational stuff. I like working with people. I don't have like these great ambitions of being like, oh no, I'm going to start my own outlet. It's going to be the number one and we're going to make so like, I just, I'm not that type of person. IGN two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like some people don't have that fucking like alpha. It's about, it's yeah. about power drive. Well, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. You don't have like, not everybody needs to have fucking manifest destiny. And yeah. honestly, if the world were like that, it would fucking suck, which is part of mm -hmm. the reason why my hero exists is to show that um so <laughs> yeah. anyway yeah. i also just think it's really cool that there's not really a lot of like kind of main and supporting cast characters on the hero side that have like a quote like relatively useless quirk like obviously like right because of the setting of it right you know spinners isn't useless but like you know like just the way that the society is you kind of have to stand out and mm -hmm. he found a home through the League of Villains because he's just willing to put in the work. It doesn't matter necessarily what he can do, you know? Yeah, and they're accepting of him. Like, it speaks yeah. to the opportunity for the League to recruit others that are like him. Like, oh, hey, Hero Society has no place for you. Come join us and be important. We totally, don't, yeah. yeah. We don't turn people away like those cruel heroes, you know? It's 100% like an absolutely reasonable thing you would expect to happen, you know? like. Well, that's part of the reason why you see like in any sort of like counterculture, right? Whether it's something as basic as like the emo kids in high school or, or like, you know, the alternative kids. Like when you find a group that accepts you whether you're like because like i like i'm speaking from from my experience right of being like that kind of like artsy emo kid in high school surprise surprise like same you know like when you find yeah. a group of people that accept you and like you know your mental illnesses are like people who have because like generally you, you like you have the shared experiences of like the peers and the people that you surround yourself and like people who listen to the same types of music or watch the same movies generally it's because mm -hmm. there's something in their life that like there's like shared experience there there's some sort of like shared trauma there you know what i mean like it's like every your mm -hmm, your yeah. taste is a reflection of who you are and your experiences so like when you find people who like similar things it's generally because they have similar experiences so yeah. it's like when you find that group that's accepting of you and it's not the golden shiny group of the school or whatever it's like that's it's not the chads yeah <laughs> like that's who you're gonna cling to and that's Literally. exactly what like the league of villains does like they are and that's part of i mean we talked about this multiple times. We talked about this during like the whole like, you know, Yakuza arc. And we talked about this, I think, in like the last episode, even where it's like so much of society views these people as like utilities, whereas like the mm -hmm. thing that's very unique about Shigaraki's group is he doesn't give a shit what people can do. As long as you're loyal, yeah. as long as you're a friend, as long as you're somebody who like cares for your fellow teammates you're good you're doing what you need to be doing and there's no other yeah. group that's doing that <laughs> yeah no yeah like i mean deku to some extent does because it, but it just because it's just because he's had no quirk so literally any quirk to him is like wow how cool and yeah. you're so mm -hmm. blessed and all that sort of stuff that gets brought up later yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like so i don't know it like you saying that he's clinging to that like yes Mm -hmm. that is that is yes. that's explicitly yeah. like the point right yeah. yeah i love that shit and he's gax because he was watching him on tv <laughs> next question he has he has the like 
same origin as La Brava. He has the same origin of just like, oh, yeah, yeah, being a fan. Mm -hmm. My life was garbage until I found somebody to mm -hmm. be a fan mm -hmm. of. And now I have, you know, I, I, I follow them, you know, yeah, their, their mm -hmm. ideology is so fucking cool. So anyway, a ballerina opens a hole in her home's wall yeah. <laughs> and, a sp and a spike guy yells the word prick in Japanese <laughs> at him <laughs> and skewers him. That is oh. absolutely bonkers, mm -hmm. dude. That is fucking brutal, dude. And, uh. Before anything can get even crazier, things get crazier at the tower, where which because it it fucking kerploded because uh, uh, the real Shigaraki touched it. So Trumpet is like, "Oh boy, guys, we gotta get the fuck uh. out of here." <laughs> then Spinner lands right in front of him and is like, "I know I fucking suck. You don't have to tell me that I suck. I I I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I live with it, bud." Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't have goals or passions like Shigaraki or Toga, but when I saw Stain, I changed. I found something to stick to, a man that wants to destroy the status quo. That's why Shigaraki's so compelling to him. This is fucking cool. Like, this, yeah. it's the league has like almost nothing relating them to one another directly, but like it's their it's their cause yeah. that like binds them together. The thing that you can say that they have in common the most is like Twice and Toga both make things out of goop. <laughs> like that's the yeah. only thing that you could say is the same. Otherwise, they're just these fucking it's like, "Oh, I'm a magician. I'm I'm on fire." <laughs> cool. <Yeah. laughs> Spinner's like, "Yeah, so I'm a nobody that's latching onto the coattails of somebody that can actually do something." but what's the difference between me and he turns around and he's like and any of you motherfuckers and i'm like he's right valid. oh he's totally fucking right like oh my god mm, man at some point having fucking a hundred thousand people follow you around absolutely says more about you than it does your cause and yeah that's yeah it's, you know, the point of these two episodes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's like, what's the fucking difference between me and, and you motherfuckers with, like, let's go Brandon bumper stickers? Get fucked, Yeah, right. Totally. <laughs> so back at the Fallen Tower, Jiren and twi and uh, Twice is alive, as is Redestro and Shigaraki Prime. He is so tired and injured, but he's still able to talk shit. He's like... So, uh, Mr. Tower Man, pouring wine and giving speeches, Mr. Grand Commander, <laughs> I fucked your whole shit up with the world's smelliest D&D &D crew. How does that feel? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How's that fucking hit, you idiot? <laughs> and Redestro is like, I, uh, fuck you, dude. Yeah. He did, Shigaragi hits him with the knock-knock. Who's there? Fuck you. And he just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> just hits him with the vocal equivalent of just leaving a fucking flaming bag of shit on his front porch. <laughs> well, then, then he fucking clowns on him. He rushes in and uses his quirk with his feet. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so stuff is progressing and then he can just use it with his... His him body, which is interesting. Redestro jumps in and says, I'm angry, but I'm the type that stores up anger and uses it for power. It's a disaster for my hairline, I'm afraid. <laughs> which is like such good banter from a businessman fucking villain. I, yeah, really just good shitty banter here. Yeah. Truly needed twice to just like in the background be like, but what about the nose? <laughs> <laughs> What's the just reason? Like... What is the reason? <laughs> You penguin ass bitch. This shit had the same energy as like every boss fight in Metal Gear Rising. Yes. Yes. 
This is just the final boss of that game, yeah? It is, absolutely. Just, like, so much shit-talking for, like, no reason other than it just being fucking cool, you know? He punches Shigaraki into the sky, and he's, like, falling for, like, nine years, which is, like, very <laughs> hilarious to me of him just being like, <laughs> And he grabs him by two fingers, and he's like, is this the hand that brought so much ruin to my army? Uh, we get a present mic intro here. Rikia Yotsubashi, MLA codename, Redestro, meta ability, Stureso, stress. Uh, he can use stress to cover and strengthen his body. He's like the Hulk or the guy that uses shame for strength that we saw in last season. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Jess said in our group chat that, bro, if, if stress was my quirk, I'd be so fucking powerful. <laughs> God. I like made the comment on the couch sitting next to Andrew, and he's like, I knew you were about to say something. I knew you were going to. <laughs> Redestro is like, kids are taught not to judge people by their quirks, which is a good lesson, but the problem is some people just are fucking weird because of their quirk, like Toga, for example. So your ability must have led you to think that you can just do whatever you want and destroy whatever you want. And so he asks him the question again, what burden do you bear? What will you make? Or are you just a hollow man who indulges in destruction without creating anything? In in the anime, he crushes the bones of those two fingers and they're in a glove for the rest of it. Uh, in the manga, those are gone. Oh. <laughs> those fingies is gone God, in, just, in the manga. Mm. That shit, that shit just looked miserable. Yeah, there are pretty strict rules um, in Japan about, like, dismemberment and stuff like that, especially on, you know, TV for children, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of stuff that ends up getting a little bit of a workaround. But I think all of the cosplayers were like, oh, fuck yeah, when, when they saw they, they put the knife down. Oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> they put the knife down. <laughs> they just walk out of their fucking Old West saloon. Can't play knife game today, boys. That's interesting, though. I wonder, so like, yeah. I mean, so if you're listening to this episode, you presumably watched these episodes. But I wonder how, like, with Redestro, with his legs then, like, that's okay, but the fingers... Because they don't show it. They don't uh, show, okay. show it. That's I what feel it, like, it's just yeah. they can't graphically depict it. Shigaraki sees what he recognizes as his sister's hand and has a flashback about receiving all of those hands. I love how the shot starts with, like, hey, there's that vomit on the floor from last time. It's like, yeah, I get it. You don't need to do yeah, this. Yeah, we, we fucking know, all right? <laughs> Um, All for One tells him that the human heart can heal, but these hands are supposed to stay close to him so that he never forgets the feelings that he got from killing his family. Very good man. As we all do. Right. We flash even further back to a time when Shigaraki, now Tenko Shimura, age five, is crying in his backyard. His older sister, Hana, Hana approaches him and helps him up. Looks like his dad was mad at him, but she calmed him down by saying, hey, I want to be a bride someday. She takes his hand and uh, takes him to go play with her. He says, whenever I cried, she always pulled me by the hand to go have fun and feel better. He says that that was the only hand that reached out to him. But maybe she was just being a kid and not knowing why she was doing what she did. Like, weirdly, a really accurate portrayal of, like, kid psychology mm -hmm. in, yeah. in these episodes yeah, of, like... Absolutely. Like, yeah, of course they're going to make mm -hmm. a little lie to not get in trouble. Like, kids yeah. kids will just do that. Depend, like, mm -hmm. you can, they're still, like, a good kid, but they'll still be like, oh, they made me do mm -hmm. it. Like, Literally, like, all of the behavior that, honestly, both him and Hana made were just, like, very, very believable yeah. as far as 
what a child would do in those situations. Whenever I saw it, like whenever the Hana scene that we're kind of talking about right now comes up, like my immediate thought was because I just know how people are with fucking media. And it like is everybody's gonna be like, oh, so it's like Hana's fault. And I was if, if I swear to God, if there's <laughs> no. anybody who has that perspective about like an eight year old girl, like being like, uh, no, actually, he told me like that he wanted to show me something. Yeah, like, no. That's just like kid shit. Like kids do that all the fucking time. Like, yeah. it doesn't, like that's it's not like her thinking oh, but I'm going to get him in trouble. Like, she's not doing something fucking villainous. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's literally just yeah. like a self-preservation. Like, I'm crying. I'm in stress. My dad is a dick. Uh, I'm going to say it's him because he's already in trouble. My dad is a huge dick. Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. Like, if, if anything, shit like the Goonies or whatever or anything where they're like, we've got this plan, but we're like eight years old and we're going to go and do it. Yeah, nobody's a genius as a kid in this show. No. Nobody <laughs> fucking does that in real life. Like the moment, like as a kid, like myself included, uh, anytime I hit any sort of resistance, I'm like, oh, fuck shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, like that was like super like an absolute realistic portrayal of that. You know, yeah. like yeah, kids don't think about steps like C, D, E and F. Right. Like they think about like yeah. there is a bad thing happening. I would like to not be in this bad situation. I know that this is a way to get around that. And like that is like the most basic like that is all your your little tiny kid brain lets you do. <laughs> yeah. And also like this is clearly an abusive household yeah oh yeah everybody handles and processes and responds to trauma differently especially while it's still ongoing you yeah know? and even the way that like whenever uh the grandparents and shigaraki's mom like finally approached that and they're like we're not dealing with how you run this house anymore like that is not a normal way for people to address a fellow adult, right? Like, so you can tell that yeah. they are under a thumb, like, and that it takes like yeah. three people banding together to kind of be like, hey, we don't like this process. This is not working out. And they like looked so frazzled and uncomfortable yeah. whenever they were doing that too like fuck well, and yeah you, you have to think of this too, like right off the bat shigaraki's like yeah my dad is like a very successful businessman who came into a lot of money really young he invited the in-laws to like move in with him so like presumably like he is the person who is providing and like maybe his in-laws were not in a great situation before he graciously took them into the house yeah. and is caring for them and paying for all these bills and like being a wife and being a mother of two like automatically puts you in that position where like <laughs> whether or not like you see yourself that way or or like your husband sees you that way or society like society and your husband probably see you that way it's like you are subservient and you are mm -hmm. in a position of financial dependency and that's why like I, it's that's another thing that's like crazy about media and i get frustrated is like people being like well why didn't the woman just leave why didn't the mom just leave why and it's like it's because she doesn't have a fucking car that belongs to her yeah. you can report it stolen fuck you it's like okay so so the mom her parents and the children leave um who's like fucking paying their rent who is mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. who, like Anyway, that's just my rant, but people don't think about the logistics. Yeah, you can tell that Horikoshi really cares about Shigaraki as a character. Absolutely. And like, yeah. thought about the reasons for why he is the way that he is from a long time ago, right? Because by the mm -hmm. time you get here, just for me, it just smacks of just like, I've been refining this idea for like a decade. Mm -hmm. And now here's, here's, here is why a villain is the way that he is. And I couldn't tell you this when I introduced him because that would be hokey and ham-fisted. But now, even though, like, 
you know, lost memories is is a stupid trope, pretty much like, you know, that kind of like amnesia bullshit is is really like, uh, there's that. But also he was raised by fucking Darth Vader Satan, man. So like, like <laughs> I could buy whatever. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, as far as like the idea of lost memories, too, I feel like it would be like helped if maybe instead of like lost they just made like it repressed because that makes complete sense because i kind of agree it's like a little like hokey with and i think that that's what i think that that's what's happening but the wording of it is not indicative of repressed memories it's like sure it it seems like somebody is putting these memories in him like the writer is saying this (laughs) yeah it just feels like like that that part was definitely communicated a little poorly because if you just look at it from the angle of we're backing him like we're going to let him get backed into a corner and like this stress is going to like click and he's going to have like his own like awakening moment like that absolutely is the kind of thing that would you know let a repressed memory emerge again yeah i think it's i think it's like more generous and accurate to like look at them as being repressed rather than like you know lost because i I think that's like the intention behind it exactly and in japanese that comes through a lot more um but We'll get back to the family stuff in a little bit. Back in the present, Shigaraki's getting his middle and index fingers crushed by Redestro. However, with the ring and pinky fingers, Shigaraki is able to crumble a bit of Redestro's Hulk hand. That looked like it hurt like a motherfucker. Also, (laughs) just like the worst fucking like paper cut you've had in your fucking life. Did not look good. Mixed with eczema at the same time. Like, (laughs) oh, God, that's mm. slicey eczema. Yeah, I every fucking time in these episodes that a skin thing happens every every time that he talked about how his skin felt that hit for Mm -hmm. me holy Mm -hmm. shit Mm -hmm. that is eczema to a fucking (laughs) t dog where he's like yeah like it got really humid and my skin got all itchy and i'm like oh god okay (laughs) um all right this is gonna be didn't expect this to be the reason that I'm really uncomfortable watching this, but here we are. Right, yeah. Uh, the whole like touch with like his skin being itchy too was just like such a good and like because you see it throughout the show, right? Whenever like he's in a situation where he's like under a lot of stress, he starts to itch, mm-hmm. which is like a really common thing with stress. Like if you're somebody who has anxiety mm-hmm. or like like you'll break out in hives or or like things like that, and you'll just get like really itchy and red and splotchy because like yeah, it your, is... your lipids will go wild. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Hi, that's me. Hi, Kim Connick. Some good yeah. shows. What's going on? Hi. Hi. And I don't like. It's just kind of like. I don't know. It's brilliant because and this is my interpretation of it, because I think that like they kind of almost lead you to think that like, oh, but like when he kills and and like he lives the way he wants to, like that's his release from stress. And like that's when he's able to not be itchy and like that's the state he needs to be in. And it's like, no, that's just like one option for dealing with this stress. And like, I, I think that's mm-hmm. really important that people who watch this understand um, is that like mm-hmm. he's not like destined to be a villain because of his quirk and because of this condition that like manifests when he's under severe stress. He grew up in a home that was extremely abusive and was constantly scared of like how his parents were going to treat him, whether it's his dad like abusing him or his mom just like not standing up for him the way that he hoped that she would. So it's like he was constantly stressed. He was constantly scratching himself. He was constantly breaking out in hives, basically. Like, and I mm-hmm. I don't want people, I don't know, like, and this is just my interpretation. I wouldn't want people to, like, see this and be like, oh, well, like, clearly, like, 
he was written to be a villain then because like once he does that he's free of like this physical like thing no that's yeah. just like no. one way of coping with it that he was trained to have now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the next episode he says i wonder if somebody else reached out to me if that itching would continue so like yeah, yeah. they plant it in your mind at least of just like yeah i i mean you know you gotta use your quirk you know mm-hmm. we've gone through that in the last episode of just like repressing your quirk leads you to go fucking bananas but like you know there are probably you know he could be he could have worked at like a trash recycling plant or something like that like he could have been a really really useful yeah. member of society totally getting rid of waste like nuclear waste and shit probably are you kidding yeah. me like there could have been like a whole lot of like cool scientific applications for that shit you know yeah yeah um but nope. <laughs> yeah. So Shigaraki leaps at Redestro with the speed that we saw at the USJ incident of just like, how the fuck are you? You are a bundle of drumsticks. How the fuck did you Dude. move that quickly? Redestro is like, you're like a cat. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, man. He's like spinning around him while the music is like, bam, 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 bam. like, whoa. Man, like... <laughs> Shigaraki's fucking terrifying, dude. Yeah. Like, especially at the end of this arc. Yeah, dog. Oh, buddy. I do kind of like that, you know, so, like, in My Hero, the closest thing we have to, like, and I'm just going to, like, use the the phrase because, like, it works as, like, an almighty hero, right? Is like, All Might yeah. or, like, Deku who's, like, becoming yeah. that. But, like, it's, like, the most powerful person is, like, really kind of becoming Shigaragi, who's, like, basically one punch man. Like, if you get touched by oh, this guy, yeah. you're fucked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, now that he's going through, like, all this other training, now that he's, like, figured out other applications of his power, I'm, like, it's really horrifying to have, like, the Superman of a world where, like, we envisioned All Might being the Superman, right? Or, like, All Might being the one punch man. But, like, that's not true. The Superman of this world is this boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's before he gets fucking tubed for four months or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Redestro is like, he must have been training. And it's like, yeah, dog, I've been fighting a mountain for two months straight and like almost dying and getting three hours of sleep every day. Uh, every two days. Sorry. Yeah. So um, man hitting that Bowflex fucking hard. Yeah. So Redestro is like, maybe it was too soon to judge him as inferior. And so he powers up to 80% liberation and readies an attack, stress output, burden, which fucking rules. I am just, <laughs> I'm just a huge slut for whenever fucking japanese characters show up on screen at the same time an attack does yeah dude. it's never not the tightest shit of all time and it doesn't <laughs> matter what's happening shigaraki's tossed in the wind and remembers his grandparents trying to cheer him up with like food and pleasantries um and he's like they were kind people but he references something that deku said in episode one of the anime after hearing his mom apologize what i wanted to hear you say back then was and it's like, mm-hmm. like Jess was saying, like, you're just not getting the comfort that you wanted slash needed yeah. as a kid. And this is leading, it led Deku to a certain way and it led Shigaraki to another way. Like, yeah. and it all comes down to the parenting of these, of both of these kids. Yeah. It's, it's really rad. Like just from like where we're at with our show right now. Mm-hmm. Cause like, obviously this isn't the fucking end of my hero academia, but like after this, we're kind of done with it for a while, you know? Um, and it's pretty rad to kind of bookend it with like really driving home like the parallels between pretty much the two central characters of this show going forward. Yeah, man. 
Just then, Redestro gets a call on his tiny little cell phone <laughs> from the skeptic, <laughs> which is so funny to me. He's like, hello. <laughs> it's like, you don't have an earpiece? What's wrong with you? Fucking Zoolander phone ass. <laughs> like, come on. It really is. <laughs> skeptic is like, there's a big man here. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, and so Makia is like shitting and farting everywhere and trying to like, you know, he's unwittingly en- enacting Shigaraki's plan. Um, Redestro's finger starts to crumble a little bit and he's like, wait, when I used Burden, did he just like forego his survival instincts and just try to destroy me just because he wanted to? This little bitch, basically, he says. (laughs) But something like starts to stir in Redestro here, which is like one of the smartest things in the series, I think, and we'll get to it. But similarly, something happens with Shigaraki as we flash back to the day where all of the stuff happened. We see Tenko and his father, Kotaro Shimura, son of the one for all holder and All Might's master, Nana Shimura. Huh. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That layer of stuff makes everything so much more sad. Man, that letter, the picture, just like the moment I saw that picture, I think I said, oh, fuck. Okay. (laughs) All right. Jesus fucking Christ. We're going here. All right. Great. This is going to be a great time. He's dragging his son through the hallway, punishing him for uh, playing hero as his wife protests. There is only one rule in my house, Shigaraki says. One rule made by my father. No talk of heroes. Kotaro makes Tenko sit outside as the family gets ready for dinner, saying that he can't come in till he apologizes. And he doesn't have a quirk yet. So at his age, playing hero is more than an insult to the family of a man who already hates heroes. Um, he's, but he's like, this is, this is cruel. We can't let this quirkless kid pretend to be a hero. We can't let him think he can be a hero, especially because I fucking hate heroes. But, um, this is a clear parallel to Deku here. We've already Mm -hmm. started to talk Mm -hmm. about that, but Kotaro Shimura was a businessman who built up a great deal of wealth at a young age, building the house, uh, he and his in-laws would live in and his wife and two kids, of course. Uh, However, it's clear that Nana leaving him behind to do her duty as one for all holder uh, severely scarred him. Uh, He seems to have carried a big chip on his shoulder his entire life. That fuck you orphan shit, right? Like that fuck you, I'm, I'm worth something even though you gave me up thing. He sees his mother as abandoning him and by all accounts, she did, but- She kinda did, yeah. The reasons for that are, you know, pretty important, but she still did it. Yeah. Her only son whom she loved, um, the whole thing is like you left your loved one behind to help out complete strangers. I think that's something that I really like that this show does, I think, very well in that I think or I feel that so many characters actions are never like black or white, good or evil, you know, like it's all uh it's all kind of like a gray area or like up to interpretation in a way that i think is very realistic like they they feel like actual people or like characters or anything like uh you know like yeah like if you were older uh and you know your your mom left to go do hero work and had to like leave you and your family if you were older you could understand that but like kids don't necessarily get that you know like they just know like, they don't care about the state of the world. They just know their mom's gone, you know? And what what age are you going to be cool with your mom going on a suicide mission, right? Like Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's like, and I think that it goes to show, like, and this is something else that I love that my hero constantly does, is it's like, 
the emotions that one character, like the experiences that one character might have, you might see glimpses of in different stories throughout. And I think that this one, like, once again goes back to Coda, right? And, like, how Deku had to, like, try to intervene and be like, but actually, like, heroes are great, but it's, like, what? But, but it's all, like, based on your experiences and it's based on the resources that you have after those experiences and, like, how you're built back up. Because, like, it's so fucking easy, right, for, like, Deku to go up to this kid and be like, oh, like, but your parents were heroes. Like, they were the greatest thing. And it's because he values heroes and he doesn't understand the devastation of having a mom who walked out on him. Mm-hmm. Like, would he be saying the same exact thing if his mom did the same thing to him? We don't know a, a damn thing about his dad. Apparently, he's alive somewhere and doing. He's he's on a farm and doing great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's upstate. But like, if his dad was gone because he did a big hero thing and got killed, he probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be so fucking mighty boy about Mm -hmm. all this shit like it's wild well yeah it just it just goes to show you and this is like and this is for the people who are like oh my hero wasn't political until xyz happened or whatever like at its core this whole story and like we joke about like trauma kids right like constantly but Mm -hmm. like it really is a lot of like the shitty experiences people go through and how the resources around you and the way that society Mm -hmm. like views your experiences and you as a person ultimately shapes the type of person you become like sure there is and it's it's kind of like a nature versus nurture thing too like quirks become part of like your nature but does that mean that that dictates who you're going to turn into not at all like so much of who you are is like it's the people around you it's the it's society it's like the way that you are treated in comparison to other people so it's like it's kind of like at its core i feel like nature versus nurture is like a huge theme in this show and like Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Whenever you do, whenever we have these these parallel episodes, or like like I don't know whether it's whether we're looking at Deku versus Shigaraki is like the parallel, or we're looking at Koda versus Shigaraki is like a parallel. Like there, or Deku and Bakugo. Even. Yeah, like, yeah, like there are so many people you can compare their life stories to one another, and that's so intentional, and it's like really important that you do that. I feel like anytime that you can like look at two characters and be like, oh, that's interesting. They share this in common. Like that's very much something that they want you to look at in this show yeah and that's yeah. where like the meat of the show is like shinso yeah is a good example yep. like yeah should like if you just are based entirely on like nature and like entirely just like what his quirk is you know like it's very easy to see that immediate through line to just like okay you're just a villain like that's just the path you're going down you know but like he could have been he, overhaul like overhaul could have been somebody that did that 100 percent. yeah like he had so many people in his life tell him about that's a great villain power kind of shit, but he kind of just stuck to his guns and like was like, no, that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make this work, and that's fucking awesome. And he got buff and he got guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So later on, Tenko's mom is helping him uh, with his itch situation with various allergy ointments and pills. Seems that they don't really know where it's coming from, uh, but Tenko's body knows where it's coming from. He says, "I only itch at home." That itch is the precursor to his desire to destroy this house that his father built where he forces his family to reject and ignore heroes despite the wishes of his children. It's something that this this child wants to destroy so that he can live freely, not even to be a villain, but he, you know, he deeply wishes like. I want this to be a place where I can do what I want. Yeah, I feel like and this is something that we talked about earlier is like I just 
it's not necessarily like I want to I want anarchy I want to destroy it's like I am in an incredibly oppressive and abusive situation and I wish that I was not mm. oppressed and abused as a five-year-old yeah I just want these roadblocks gone yeah is basically mm -hmm. his his vibe it's in Hana the same thing right with like that little lie we talked about earlier kids don't think about like this kid is five years old he's not thinking about like oh yeah I bet the reason why is because like I'm under a lot of stress at home and like my <laughs> my at home like my environment's not very great and the way that my dad treats me is actually pretty abusive right he's not thinking of all that shit he's just like I yeah. don't know why but when I am home I feel horrible like there's something physically yeah like and I whenever I was younger I would do similar stuff with like you know, and this is something that you grow up and realize I used to have like a really bad problem with like throwing up <laughs> and, oh, really? um, you know, like especially if I was stressed about like stuff at school or if I wasn't getting enough sleep, I would just like and my mom and I feel like a lot of people would always like kind of dismiss that. It's like, well, you're not like actually you know you're not like sick like you're just trying to get out of stuff you don't have the flu yeah right. yeah you're just trying to get out of stuff and it's like okay so like why is my body physically reacting and i'm throwing up and like like shaking mm -hmm. it like and i went through the same thing and this is like trigger warning this is like a deep personal thing but like after i was sexually assaulted went through the same thing i couldn't leave my house without vomiting like i mm -hmm. would mm -hmm. like that was a physical response that came out of me being so deeply uncomfortable with like myself and like the outside world and like almost it almost gets to a point of being like I don't know, being a shut in, being like just afraid of leaving. It's your body like being like, hey, something is super fucked up in your brain and you don't know what it is and you can't identify yeah. it. And like, that's what this kid was going through. And he's five. Yeah. He doesn't have the words. Yep. He doesn't have the knowledge. He doesn't like he's a five year old. Yeah. I um one of the really interesting things we, we're, we've been talking about parallels and this is going to probably be our longest episode ever because we're just oh without i i knew that going in but yeah. <laughs> we're inadvertently like doing a clip show of ourselves which is really cool <laughs> um but like neat one of the things i find really interesting that they don't specifically point out is do you like in your brain do you know mm -hmm two characters in in here that look similar probably not right because they didn't make uh -huh. a direct thing but hana and toga mm. are almost identical they are oh yeah oh yeah now that those pictures are there like i can absolutely see it in the face for sure so you can imagine that when toga showed up shigaraki was probably a little bit disgusted at first and he literally was he was like i gotta go fucking take a walk i hate you stinky bitches and left yeah um but at a certain point it becomes that protector thing a little bit where she's mm -hmm. like do you want to destroy everything and he's 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 basically like no kitten things that you like are fine <laughs> basically right like so I don't know. I just find that so interesting that like you're not an artist like Horikoshi and you do that fucking shit on accident, mm. right? Like you don't this is not accidental at all and I just find that so so fucking interesting. Sometime later, we see Hana who seems to have been snooping in her dad's office. She found a picture of Nana and Kotaro. Uh this is extremely uplifting and stirring for the both of them. Hana says that as long as Tenko wants to be a hero, she'll root for him. She says we'll be a brother and sister duo and it'll be really cool. God, this shit's fucking heartbreaking, dude. Oh man, and the like oh the God. look on his face of looking at the picture and being like, "Whoa, cool." Yeah, man, that shit just broke my fucking heart wide open, mm -hmm. dude. Later that night, Tenko is playing with the family dog Mon. 
He says that he feels like he can do anything with his family behind him. And in a flash, it looks like Tenko's quirk manifested um, as a bit of the ball starts to flake away. Uh, just then, his father accuses him of entering his study and snooping. Tenko looks at Hana, but it looks like she's doing what kids do and is fibbing to spare herself yeah. from punishment, like we were saying, saying that Tenko was the one that led her to look at it. Kotaro grabs Tenko and says, that is not your grandmother. That is a savage who abandoned her child. Tenko pleads internally as he itches for somebody to help him. His father says, heroes hurt their family to help total strangers. That night, we see Kotaro read a letter from Nana, which says the following. I'm sorry I have to go away so suddenly. Your mom has to go fight some really bad guys right now. Since those bad guys might be mean to you, I have to leave you, Kotaro. I'm sorry I couldn't do anything motherly for you. You might end up hating me, Kotaro, but I will always love you. I love you, Kotaro. I hope that your life will be full of smiles and that you'll be happy. I'll always be watching over you from the sky. It's different in English, but it's the same kind of sentiment. Yeah, that's pretty much the same. Yeah. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> dude this like episode though and like i don't know if shit hits different when you're like about to become a mom yeah oh yeah i was i was thinking that during this whole arc like how's 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 jess doing yeah seeing like the the way that like both of these moms related to their sons i was like oh, okay especially because i'm having okay. a son so it's like yeah not fun times i am i'm watery eyed <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So Kotaro's answer to this is it would have been easier if you never loved me, which is like (laughs) (sighs) fucking just a kick in the gut. Yeah. God, the the reversal of somebody saying that they love you so much and whatever. And you think in your head that there's a moment where he's going to be like, I have to change. But the like let down the emotional letdown of him being like you should have fucking just left me and told me that you hated me is like yeah. <laughs> uh. well, something that's like interesting that i kind of thought about after i finished watching these episodes was a lot of times if parents don't like address their own trauma or i guess like the the recipient right of like any trauma if you don't address it in a healthy way you end up becoming a lot like the person who traumatized you. Yes. And like, that's um, just like a thing in families. That's a thing with like sexual assault. That's like the people mm-hmm. who were addiction assaulted yeah, with addiction. Like a lot of times, like whatever essentially destroyed you ends up being the thing that if you don't address it, leads you to destroy other people as well. And Which is unfair for the person that needs to address it, but yeah, it does need to happen. But it's interesting to see how like Kotaro and, you know, Shigaraki, like, have so much in common in the way that they were like treated is very similar too. um both of them not great relationship with their dad <laughs> um mm-hmm. you know because like his dad is absent right and like shigaraki's dad might as well be fucking absent um mm-hmm. both of them have a self-sacrificial mom who dies loving them but they're basically indifferent to it because of the situations that have occurred in their life um and then both of them are resentful of the love that they had in their life to the point where they wish they wouldn't have been loved because being loved mm-hmm. feels like a burden on them. Yeah. Like they have all three of those qualities. So he is so much alike, like, like this person who he wanted nothing to, to be like, you know what I mean? And it's just, yeah, that just shows you how like that stuff manifests. And it, and it's just a, it's just a cyclical fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So Kotaro's family approaches him, like we said, with an ultimatum that he needs to stop Uh, this hero hatred. He's hurting his children more than he even imagines that his mother is hurting him. 
he ends up just making it worse and, and perpetuating the cycle with, you know, two kids instead of just the one. Um, so Tenko is in the backyard uh, at night crying as the family dog Mon embraces him. Tenko says he can't take it. Everyone, everyone, everyone. I hate them all. Mon crumbles. Hana comes outside to apologize to Tenko, but he's too distraught to say anything. Hana sees Mon's remains and turns to run away, but Tenko, believing this to be a villain attack, reaches out to her. He wants her to pull him by the hand again like she always did to help him. All he wants is help. Hana crumbles. Tenko vomits at the sight as he itches his own eye, leaving the scar that remains today. Tenko's mother and grandparents head outside to see the commotion. Shigaraki says that maybe back then he already knew what was happening. His grandparents, his mother, his sister. Why did they protect his father, he asks. Why did they just say, don't cry? He says, I hate you all. His mother rushes to him, and even though she's cracking apart and the ground is coming apart, she reaches out to embrace him, and his mother crumbles. Kotaro emerges from his study, seemingly ready to make a change and apologize to his son. He arrives to the scene, his in-laws already dead in addition to his wife and his daughter. I hope your life will be full of smiles and love. Tenko cries out to his father, apologizing as he further destroys the surrounding area. Kotaro grabs a garden tool and strikes Tenko with it, telling him to stop, leaving him with the lip scar that he has today. At that moment, Shigaraki says that he had a clear intent to kill, and you can't really blame him at this point. He leaps at his father, hand on his head in the exact way that his father's hand would appear on his later on, and screams for him to die, which is blood-curdling in both the sub and the dub, and Kotaro crumbles. He says an absurd sense of pleasure shot throughout my body as the house, the symbol of a society that denied him, similarly crumbles. And just like that, he says, the itch was gone. Oh boy! <laughs> oh my god, that was... That was really, really hard to watch. Yeah, dog! <laughs> I, it was hard to watch or to listen. To yeah. Me. That. It was hard to God. read, guys. Yeah, I could hear your voice crack a little. It's and like and like I can't blame you at all. I don't think I would have gotten through that. No, I'm so glad I wasn't speaking. I was just crying listening to you. I wouldn't have been able to do that. The fucking dog, dude. Man, I hate it. I hate just, it. So uh, it's just like that part is so hard too because like I think of like growing up in my house and a lot of times when I was at odds with everyone in my house, I might my dog Max who has since passed away, but it's like you know, mm -hmm. like that was, mm -hmm. I remember like literally, and Bruce is like this too, my dog now, like dogs are just so intuitive. Oh, dogs yeah. like know when you are upset and like both Max and Bruce, my dog now, like whenever I am crying, they just quietly get up next to me on the bed and they will sit next to me mm -hmm. and they will just stay there and like, let me pet them. Yeah. And they won't like want, they don't want anything from me. They just like want to be there to comfort. And like, that's exactly how my dog was. And like, I cannot imagine how traumatizing yeah. and like heartbreaking and like not understanding. Even if that was just the only thing that happened that night, like. <laughs> I yeah. know, I was going to say that. If that was, if as if like, as if nothing else bad happened that yeah. night, like this has to be the, the fucking cherry on top. Cause his, his quirk is just starting and it, and nobody's turning into just straight up dust. It's yeah. like they're 
uh, they are turning a little bit was, into dust and then mm, they just fall apart. God. So many people were like, oh, I bet they're going to censor this and it's going to be just totally, you know, cotton candy, bullshit, whatever. And like, no, everybody shut up after this yeah, episode this, came out. This this is some full metal alchemist shit. Like, absolutely. Um, God. I can't wait for us to talk to do Attack on Titan cam. <laughs> Once Cam was like, I love it when oh. people are people act, you know, they don't act in black and white ways and, and their motivations are unique. And I'm sitting here like <laughs> Also just the fucking sheer brutality of it. It's it's funny. I mean, I guess like so my hero does skewer like younger. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like it is it's very much like I feel like it's good because it like nails that like kind of middle ground between like it has like I mean, it has enough content and like mature themes to where we can have a whole fucking podcast on it, right? right? But like, also, this is something that like I started. I showed my ten-year-old at the time, like ten and nine-year-old sisters this, and like they were super fucking into it and thought it was like the best thing in the world, you know? Yeah. Um. And so, like, yeah, it's for everybody. But I don't, I don't know how you can watch anime and like not kind of expect this stuff because it is like. I don't know, but it is it is very close to like just being adult animation. Like mm -hmm. it's this stuff happens more often than not, <laughs> you know, I, I, like obviously like all of this stuff works. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that part of the reason that it does work is that it really does feel like the creators respect their audience, you know, like it. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. This didn't this these two episodes didn't just pop up out of nowhere after a happy-go-lucky good time like it's been like <laughs> relatively dark throughout just at like different points in a way that like kind of prepares you for it a little bit but like it super doesn't um exactly yeah it's like a romeo and juliet thing right yeah. like literally what happens is in the first paragraph yeah. like you know how the story is going to end mm -hmm. we knew shigaraki's backstory already they had already kind of touched on it like throughout the show yeah. mm -hmm. like you knew that like some real like you you knew he killed his family like you knew like all this stuff like we knew he calls that hand father right like there's mm -hmm. no yeah. like there's no way that that's like an inside joke for him yeah <laughs> we know his quirk we know like what happened to his family we know like he had a shitty like we, like we know all of this stuff we had all the pieces like this is just the first time we're seeing it animated out but like it's so it's, much worse. <laughs> it's so much worse. Mm, it's yeah. so, and like, I don't know, you used the word ham-fisted, Nate, earlier as far as like, it's nice that they don't like do it now because it would have been so much less impactful and like more disrespectful if it's like, and this is Shigaraki and now here's his backstory exactly time. episode 12 or whatever when he shows up, it's like, no dog, you, you, we got to wait until one twelve. for I this I think shit. also, um, I mean, also just additionally, just shout out to like the animation on his face during like the scene of that night in particular and the stuff like immediately falling out like following just yeah. like fucking ghastly kind of shit but I, I i do think like obviously a lot of this stuff is like really uncomfortable to see but i think that like i'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say like you have to watch it because i know that that's just something that people can't get through and that's totally fine and valid and all of that but i think that just going back to like the show respecting like it's its audience you know i think that a, a lesser show would have leaned too hard in a direction of showing too much or not showing enough. And I think there was like just enough there to like really set the stakes like on paper, obviously like, you know, what happens to the dog with him and all of that, like that, that stuff is horrifying. That's traumatizing as hell. But I think that 
like having that stuff like visually there also really brings home how uncomfortable he is too because it makes you kind of feel that discomfort in a little in a way this isn't a time where there is benefit from making the viewer imagine it right totally right it sets the stakes really well in that like you know what happened you know what he has been through during this like you understand why he's so fucking traumatized you know yeah and there's like a really big conversation in media and i feel like it's been i mean it's always like there but it's been probably more so in the last 10 years um especially in the last two i know what you're saying you're about to say but yeah 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 i feel like you you know where i'm going with this about like the idea of like depiction in media or like the Mm -hmm. stuff that we can talk about in media um and i think that like I don't know. This is a long conversation. We could literally have a whole like fucking two hour discussion about this. And like, and we will with attack on Titan a lot. I feel like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure we will. Like the idea of like depiction versus like glorification. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the, and and, like things like that. And, and like how we, how we address trauma and, and, and tragedy and, and boundaries being crossed and stuff like that in in media and, and things that are uncomfortable the things that make that make you uncomfortable and like watching that or or like taking that in um and i feel like so often lately and i think game of thrones is one of the big things that like kind of escalated this to where like i yeah. started hearing mm-hmm. this a lot yeah. more um with like depictions of sexual assault and i'm sorry to have talked about that a few times in this episode when like obviously this didn't happen in in the episode so it seems it's very adjacent but like that's kind of like a big thing but like it's it's at what point like does stuff feel like it's like glorifying or like gratuitous is a word that people use a lot versus like when is it something that is quote unquote needed and it's such a it's such a weird conversation to have too because like the truth is is it's like none none of the horrible things that happen to people in real life are needed yeah you know what i mean i feel like calling something needed being like oh well i understand this sexual assault being showed because it, it was needed like what and then you start <laughs> yeah never... it's, and then it's like oh why am i arguing that this is this is so great and good to yeah. have shown up it's yeah it's necessary for the story to have you know people that have certain motivations to do x y and z things and i am i am a huge proponent of in good faith obviously Mm -hmm. i think you can depict most anything in media so long as there are the appropriate whether it's tv ratings or trigger warnings or whatever Mm -hmm. i think that nothing should be again in good faith nothing really should be taboo from being shown within reason and like your mileage will vary so much with that within reason, right? Well, it's like I remember, and this is is to go back to Game of Thrones, and like I'm sorry, spoilers for like something that is super old if people haven't seen it. But there's one. It's so gone from the mind yeah. share right now. Nobody gives a shit. You're good. Yeah, ex- <laughs> I, I I don't feel like anybody's gonna really give a shit. But it's like there's one character who's sexually assaulted in Game of Thrones, and there was a huge ordeal following the stuff happening and like i remember there were a lot of like even feminist outlets that like were like i don't like like i'm boycotting the show we're no longer covering it because like i don't like it was so unnecessary and so unneeded and blah 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 you should never depict these things yeah yeah and like it was shortly after in college i had been sexually assaulted and Mm -hmm. like the only thing that i remember thinking as someone who had just gone through this was like if you're saying that like it wasn't needed, are you saying that there are times that it's needed for character mm-hmm. development and growth and there are times that it's okay? Because like I don't feel like what happened to me 
was okay and would ever be okay under any circumstances for anyone, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it just like really fucks with your head. And I think that for, for certain people who are like victims of something horrible happening for someone, for people who have like lost people in tragic ways or people who have been sexually assaulted or people who have like had abusive situations, like, Sure, like there are there are times when like reopening that can be incredibly like you're not ready for it mm -hmm. and like it can be traumatizing, yeah. it can be too hard to do. But there are other times when there's like a catharsis, like from knowing that people get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like sure, there's ways that you can do something completely disrespectfully, and that becomes a whole separate topic because like then it's like, okay, well, have people who have only gone through this experience, like, can they be the only ones? Right, what weird rules are you implying that yeah. need to happen? Yeah, I understand. Which is, like, a whole fucking weird thing, too, because I remember there was, like, this one news story I heard, like, or, like, there was something, it was, like, on fucking Twitter, where, like, this woman, like, depicted sexual assault, and a whole bunch of people, like, jumped on her, and, and were like, no, if you've never gone through it. And then eventually, like, months later, she was like, well, I didn't want to talk about it, but I have. Yeah. But like, since you guys are making me defend myself, I guess I will expose this thing that happened to me. In the court of public opinion. Yeah. My big thing with it is like, I, I don't feel like things like hard stops should not be depicted in media. Um, I think that that is like a like a total head ass take because it's like for people that have, you know, been sexually assaulted, myself included, it's like. Oh, so you want you want the whole world to keep sweeping that under the rug like right. it happened with me. Yes. You want you want it to be mm -hmm. pushed to the background yeah. and not thought about because it's too uncomfortable for you to deal with it. Let me tell you how fucking uncomfortable it is to just think about it at 2 a.m. all the time, bud. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I completely fucking agree. It's like, oh, I'm sorry that this makes you uncomfortable. It made me really uncomfortable when it happened. That's always been my read on it, too. Like, I just. Yeah. It, it just really feels like people are it, it comes across as, OK, well, I'm OK with knowing it happened, but uh, I don't want to acknowledge that it did. Yeah. I mean, it goes it goes back to like to tie this back into what we're talking about, it goes back to Shigaraki's family who saw all of this happening and didn't intervene. Mm -hmm. Right. Like sometimes there is like compassion in addressing the things that are uncompassionate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's look, look what being too polite does. Yeah. Look what being too polite about something, mm -hmm. even though the, that politeness comes from a fear of angering somebody who has, you know, control over your life. Totally. They have every, everybody in that situation had reasons for doing what they're Absolutely. doing. Yeah. But like, but look at what it did to Tenko Shimura to not go that extra, extra, extra mile yeah. for your son. Right. Look what that did to him and your family every everybody in that family absolutely was like you know like like like, like i touched on earlier there's no you can't really say whether any what anybody did was right or wrong because in the moment there's no way to tell like they were doing what they thought was best as being part of a very abusive household you know like yeah trauma fucks you up it just does or does it <laughs> and that's all i was going to add on to that too is it's like i think it's so important to not villainize the family members yeah, though and be yeah. like oh well they like they failed him like i guess if you want to look at it in the most black and white simplistic sense possible like it, in a sense they did fail him mm -hmm. but like that's such a it's just not a very gracious reading of anything i think that like the only way you can really see that take is because so much of this is from shigaraki's perspective mm -hmm. you know we're like colored by that mindset like his mom literally walked out into the yard and saw 
that this little boy had killed her daughter slash his sister and still her instinct wasn't to be like his father and fucking hit him across the face with a lawn tool she reached out for him because she was still trying to like help this is the same woman who like was like applying his fucking 15 ointments a day and giving yeah. him his pills and like trying to talk him through his dad's shit and was dealing with like if this is how he treats his kids imagine how he treated his fucking wife right yeah. like if 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 that's how endeavor treated his kids look at how he treated his fucking wife yeah. like you mm-hmm. know like behind closed doors this is from shigaraki's perspective you know there was other shit going on in that house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean like so it's, it's it's a very i think that you have to just like kind of consider the full picture of that and like not demonize like any of his family members or whatever who are like aside from his fucking dad right. but who are trying <laughs> his best and even his dad has his reasons right not great reasons but mm-hmm. we understand why he acts the way he does right i don't know big conversation about like a- abusive upbringings and trauma and and all that stuff but i mean like we joke about the whole trauma kids thing but that's the show mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know like it doesn't necessarily matter like kind of the severity of the abuse but like stuff will happen to you when you're a kid and it fucking sticks with you you know deku had to work through his own shit even though like he had like a relatively good decent childhood his mom rules (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and this is another good example right here like now that we're talking about this of why like this media that depicts darker shit is so important too because like all of all of us all three of us and like i'm sure if you're listening to like you have your own stuff in your life that's happened right and like you are listening to a podcast that is about media because presumably like there is something about it that offers you like comfort or interests you or like or like there's some there's some part of your brain that reacts to this and like i think about my own life and how if i hadn't had media as an outlet if i hadn't like grown Mm. up playing video games you know which is like what i write about now has become Mm -hmm. like my career because like when i was five years old and could hold a controller like that's what i started doing and it was an outlet and a release and comfort and catharsis like growing up in a household that wasn't always the greatest Mm -hmm. you know growing up without a dad growing up with like an abusive mom (laughs) growing like all of these things like media became like a huge a huge part of like who i am whether that's like music whether that's games whether it's the books that i read Um, And if everything in my entire life that I consumed was like fucking pleasant and didn't address any of what I was feeling and didn't make me understand what I was feeling, it didn't like give me the knowledge to end up being a decent person. And instead, I was just surrounded by (laughs) by shit. And like also like like nothing was addressing it or like doing anything like I would be an entirely different person. Mm -hmm. The fact that I had those outlets and that I knew that like like certain things that happened in my life, like weren't okay or weren't normal or like or were unfortunately normal and people understood like you know like it's just needed like you need stuff like this Mm -hmm. because it helps you it helps you become a person yeah and and i think a lot of people see media as um escapism and like welcome to the point of why i wanted to start a podcast like this is like media can be escapism where you reject reality when you reject yeah. humanity become monkey but like it it's not escaping into this like this self-soothing you know sleeping bag filled with nacho cheese that you're just like oh yay like the best media is not an escape it's armor that you put on mm-hmm. yourself and you're able to deal with either the things that happen to you or the things that are happening to you or just the understanding that everybody 
in the world has, you know, their own lived experiences yeah. and any media that you um, consume that's made in good faith and made respectfully, um, like can give you a perspective on that. I, I hear like a lot of people throw the term like bummer media around and I just like don't really agree with that at all. Um, like, like uh, I, I feel like I talk about this a lot on this show, but like, uh, people throw around like bummer media as a label for like the near series, you know? Um, and yeah, those games are fucking sad, but like those are like fundamentally from the ground up, just stories about hope and going on mm -hmm. stories about hope must be hopeless at a certain point. Yeah. Cause otherwise like what's the fucking point, you know? Mm hmm. I've heard that about Tack on Titan that we're about to jump into. Yeah. Berserk too. Berserk is another mm -hmm. one where like a lot of, you know. But we've had enough time with that where people kind of accept that a little bit more. And I see mm -hmm. we'll, we'll mm -hmm. get into that. We we've been talking for an hour, about an hour and a half about the first episode. So we should we should get oh, going. Fuck. Yeah. And we're yeah. not going to stop with these with these trauma kids discussions either, because, oh, boy. God, Attack on Titan's going to fuck us up, isn't it? Hell yeah, dog. So episode 112, Tomura Shigaraki origin. Um, oh. The day after Shigaraki killed his family, he wandered the streets alone, too traumatized to speak or ask for help, though he wished that someone, anyone, would reach out their hand. An old lady stops to see um, what's up, but is mortified by his appearance. She says something that we've heard time and time again from the very beginning. Oh, I'm sure that a hero will come by at some point. Dog, what is more important than helping a lost child with blood on his hands? Are you stupid? Do you think they want that blood on their hands? They're a <laughs> child. That ain't strawberry, dog. This would have never happened to Aerie. She did oh, no. the same thing as Shigaraki. Mm -hmm. She killed a family member, then later ran away, and only when she bumped into Deku, uh, he wanted to help her. Even Mirio, the best man in the world, wasn't going to save her in that moment. Um, but he was at least torn up about it. This is the stigma against how your quirk makes you look and like, I guess, like <laughs> cute privilege. We'll talk about Aerie later. I want to kind of pause discussions on Aerie until we get to the, her moment later. We're just coming for the throat to close out season five. <laughs> I know. So we see Tenko collapse by the dumpster we saw a few episodes back when All for One reaches out his hand. Shigaraki wonders if someone else had helped. Would things be different? Would that itch still persist? In the Tenko dorm room, All for One says, uh, you don't have to bear that itch. You can you can fuck up whatever you want, dog. And we see later as some punks corner Tenko into a like an alleyway and beat him up for just being on their turf because apparently All for One can't fucking pay rent in a nice <laughs> nice uh in a nice area. Um, his itch gets extremely bad. He's like shitting and pissing on the floor, like yeah. scratching himself and shit. <sighs> Because he he reaches to um, kill those guys and then he can't he can't get the get the gumption up to do it, which, you know, he's five. That makes sense. Um, That's, you know, yeah, the normal thing to do. <laughs> that scene, too, is just so sad because yeah. it's like even after this boy just like went through all of that shit, like there was still hope at that point. Like mm -hmm. there was still like the part of him that was resisting and that was like, no, I want to get better. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. But the wrong person came. Yep. Mm -hmm. All for one is like, what do you want to do, baby boy? And he's like, I want to kill him. <laughs> um, and he's like, fucking go for it, dog. He reaches for one of his hands and dusts them. 
I think all for one is like, okay, don't do that. These are <laughs> these are very rare. <laughs> you only got another one of those from that guy. Um, oh, yeah, the eBay seller is not really that good a rep. It's a miracle I got these. So your dad only had two hands. Bob. <laughs> so clad in the hands of his family, he goes hunting and easily handles those thugs. Um, as all for one and Ujiko watch from a rooftop, Tenko feels sick but calm, but happy, but angry all at the same time. The hands of his family serve as a reminder of the hatred he feels for everyone that made him end up this way. Later on as a celebration, All for One gives him the hands of the thugs, plus one more, a bonus. Here you go, Merry Christmas. It's your fucking Christmas bonus. Get out of my face. But, like, where did that hand come from? Yeah. I'm glad this, I was thinking the same thing. I was just like, that's weird. Yeah. That's somebody's hand. We're going <laughs> to yeah. find out next season where it came from. Great. Um, Great. All, All for One then tells Tenko... You're going to be reborn, and I'm going to give you a new name. You're going to be Tomura Shigaraki. Tomura from Tomorrow, a verb meaning to mourn. Uh, but Shigaraki, that's my last name. Mm. And, like, that rips, dude. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. So fucking so fucking cool. Um, I, I, I just love how just fucking unabashedly evil All for One is. He's just like... You are me now. <laughs> Down to the fucking opera music in the mm -hmm. background. Like, you cannot get more cartoon villain than that. Mm -hmm. It just goes to show you, like, the power of, like, inclusion, too, mm -hmm. right? Like, he felt like an outcast in his family. Found family, literally. Yeah. And, and now he's, like, getting this new name from this, like, new father figure. And also, like... Something that I and I, I didn't bring it up whenever this like happened when he was having a conversation with his mom when Shigaraki was um, he was talking about his friends at school mm -hmm. and how because she was like, do you still want to be a hero? And he's like, yeah, like I was actually like, taught, you know, playing with my friends at school and they said I could be all might because like I I was so nice and like I included them and nobody else would play with them. And I'm like, that's just Shigaraki now. Mm -hmm. I was nice and nobody else would play with them. He's always been that kid. He's always been that inclusion kid. He just wants to be welcomed. Yeah. You know what I mean? As much as like now his whole thing is like destroy, destroy, destroy. Like to him, like all he really wanted was like a place in his family and a place in this world. And um, all for one is the first person who um, offered that to him. So no wonder he kind of clung to that. And now that's his whole thing as being a leader of this group is he's offering that to people who like needed it because whether or not like he knows what he's doing like that's what he's giving these people is what he wanted as a kid mm -hmm. so in the present shigaraki remembers everything and he's like wow i guess i'm all caught up on my own character development that rules hmm what a good episode everybody don't you think <laughs> and he's Turns like to the camera winks <laughs> he's like you know I, I think I wanted to kill my family the entire time and and there was beauty in their destruction i don't think he'd be thinking that if a hero you know, he, this is manipul. This is a result of being manipulated, yeah. in my opinion. One hundred percent. It's a hundred percent a retcon. A self retcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about the dad, absolutely, but like everybody else, one hundred percent, no. Mm -hmm. It's because well, like once you do shit, it's so much easier. Like five years from now, to like look back at your actions and be like, ah, that's why I did it. Um, he 
did something horrible. Um, and the only way that he can like live with himself is to try to find some source of like, like justification or reasoning. Mm -hmm. And so it's much easier to be like, ah, no, I wanted it. And also they were holding me back because like you have to, or you will not be able to exist. You have to find a justification. And he vows from now on, the league is going to do what they want. And he crumbles one of the hands and says he no longer needs it. These hands were the like the cocoon that was incubating this newly awakened Shigaraki. And hey, in English, he drops the goofy voice. Yay. Yeah. Now we like, can take him a little bit more seriously. Okay, this is going to sound weird, but like whenever he like changes the voice and like just gets like just like balls the fuck out for like the remainder of these two episodes, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see why people are into Shigaraki. <laughs> Like, I don't I don't agree with it, but I'm like, OK, I actually get it more now. <laughs> yeah. Cam, you know? I feel the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still I'm still not into Shigaraki. Sure. I honestly look at him. You still don't want him to throw up into your mouth. Oh, man. No, <sighs> I'm, I'm good. I still like definitely see him. And I think especially and I don't know, this is going to be the whole fucking mom lens that like paints the way of you media now, sure. because like that's what this shit does to your brain. <laughs> Welcome to your life now. I see him and I still think of like i'm like baby boy baby boy baby yeah that's his he's baby so it's like and especially just after like all of the the shit with his upbringing i'm just yeah. like oh my god i just want to like protect you and like and i wish that someone had done something for you like it's, it's just like that heartbreak thing like i look at him and i just I, like he's just a heartbreaking character to me um so like i don't see any sort of like the sexual thing that some people get out of him it's for me it's just sadness he's just very sad um, <laughs> which for some people that's the same thing but yeah but yeah i i the voice though i get like his the voice actor that that is undeniably a good voice i had to stop for a second i'm like did his voice just fucking change in Japanese, it doesn't change. So yeah. in English, he, it's a cool touch. I really like it. It's very. I believe very cool. the voice of Shigaraki is the voice of Trunks. And you can tell that he was like really, no pun intended, he was itching for a chance to sure. like tweak yeah. the voice. And this moment is like the best way to do that. 100% agree. So also, one thing I kind of noticed his hair got white mm -hmm. whenever he like mm -hmm. became kind of like unchained. That's mm -hmm. something probably. Reed Destro was like, okay, that's enough character development. <laughs> <He jumps laughs> All right, <in>. buddy. <laughs> he jumps in with 100% liberation, but it's deflected quite easily by Shigaraki. Makia makes his way closer to the battle as Getin fucking ice catapults himself away. That's so fucking funny. He's like, Reed Destro, bye, boing, <laughs> away towards Makia. And Makia's just like, <laughs> claps him out of the Dude, sky. It's like, Fuck just you. like watching these episodes seeing all the really cool shit the league is doing there's just like in the back of my mind i'm like this is fucking awesome uh-oh yeah uh-oh <laughs> yeah because you know that these guys aren't gonna show up to ua and be like we brought mcdonald's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, we brought breakfast. Do you want some? Like, <laughs> I got too many burritos. Uh, so Redestro is like really worked up over all this. He knows that what he's feeling isn't fear because he's able to turn fear into power as well. Something's causing his stress to recede. So he fucking calls in his Hulkbuster called Detonarat's patented burden amplifying steel mechanism, Claustro. Just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. <laughs> it, it boosts him to 150%. That looks, that, mm, man. 
I can understand why that bumped up his stress level too. Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude. Um, uh. So now, it, now it's time for me to explain, like, in my opinion, what is the most cool big brain comparison here. Shigaraki, somebody that can kill with a touch, is fighting Redestro, a man who deals with physical strength dealt out in percentages. Rewind to season four. Deku, somebody who deals with physical strength dealt out in percentages, is fighting mm. Overhaul, somebody who can kill with mm. a touch. They're, they're literally just preparing to fight each other. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, Redestro representing order and Shigaraki having to take that down with his mm -hmm. power to, you know, rearrange matter against this brute strength versus Deku, somebody who's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch the future. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud, have fun. See you later. It's so fucking cool how Horikoshi has set up these mini arcs without each other. Yeah. They're not fighting each other literally but they are fighting like these proxy versions of the future selves of each other. And it's, it's so cool because you get to develop them, but you don't get the excuse of like, yeah, you beat me this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he leaves. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to fight each other. Mm -hmm. The messiness of that. <laughs> no, that's such a good point. Yeah. Meanwhile, twice thinks that Machia may still be too much, even though uh, he's already taking down uh, the MLA. Mr. Compress is like, Yep, I want to go home. I have diarrhea. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, bud, same. Let's go. And he calls the doctor, and he's like, get us the fuck out of here, dude. And the doctor's like, nah, man, this is dangerous. I don't know if anybody's tracking you or whatever the fuck. And plus, poor Johnny's going to get tonsillitis every time that he, he transports people, <laughs> which is a bold-faced lie. And, like, <laughs> Mr. Compress is like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a person. Bro, I might die. <laughs> <laughs> and like the doctor's like, what, the mu the magician? I don't give a shit if you die. <laughs> what are you going to do, face paint me to death? Yeah. He's like, like, things are too beefy right now and an escape is too risky. And Shigaraki kind of needs to be pushed into this uh, situation to become the next all for one. Shigaraki handily whips Redestro's ass saying that his 150% is plus ultra. You're going plus ultra on me now. <laughs> like, it just beats the shit out of him. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Redestro gets it now, though. He's, he says, not suppression, but liberation. Uh, being able to use meta abilities freely is a natural human right. And right now, Shigaraki, what I'm looking at is a liberated person. I love this so much of him just being like, oh no, I'm simping. <laughs> like, <laughs> him basically being like, I'm like fighting against my own goals by getting rid of this guy who is his quirk and is using his his quirk a hundred percent like this right now what's happening super bad fucking optics for our whole situation but i gotta fucking i gotta fucking send this dude a friend request my guy like holy shit like oh man i i saw i saw those tweets i'm in and like i think it also is it's a testament to kind of how smart redestro is um, because I do feel like in a lot of cases, uh, in just not just other shows, but in life, like, I feel like if there is this kind of like wild zealot in charge of hundreds of thousands of people, like they ain't going to give in, <laughs> like, like they're going to be like, no, this is my vision. But like, he's so like, he's very smart and like really, truly believes in like the ideals and the cause in a way that you don't really see a whole lot of to the point where he's like, 
no, if we're going to do this, then I'm not at the top and that's okay. It speaks so strongly to his his character and what yeah. he believes that he he the blood relative of the person that starts this whole movement. He's like, no, I'm not shit. This guy needs to be in control. You would never see like fucking like the Manson family be like, actually, we're the McConnell family now. Like, <laughs> I love how I chose another bad name. I was like McConnell, whatever. You don't see that type of shit. You don't see like, you know. You don't see Scientology be like, oh, like we actually decided that this guy's very good at Scientology. So he's going to be it's like, no, it's the same fucking. It, and it actually shows that like before we're we're like watching this guy and we're like, oh, man, this guy fucking sucks. At least he actually does have like moral because like this is the most liberating thing he's done. You know what I mean? Like there's mm -hmm. actually like some genuine like fuel behind what he's saying because it's so easy to look at this guy and be like, oh, he's a fucking corporate like asshole Salary who, man type yeah, guy, who yeah. like doesn't actually care about his cause and he just like has all these people around him and like obviously this is a very self-inflating thing. But like this one action actually makes it to where it's like, oh, okay, like you actually do have a little bit of depth to you and like mm -hmm. you, you kind of like do get it yeah. actually. Mm -hmm. So Shigaraki is like... Bye-bye, <laughs> puts his hands on the ground and begins a full blast decay for everything he can. He remembers all for one saying, uh, don't be afraid. People's lives and advancement and hard work are all yours to control. If you can manage to delight in your hatred, then you will be free. And boy, is he. He starts laughing as whole city blocks are destroyed. Makia looks on with new respect at his master's successor. Shigaraki's arm now resembles Deku's mangled arm yeah. as he declares that he's going to destroy it all. A massive crater appears and Reed Destro is fucking chucked from his escape pod. Him like on his hands and knees on like a fucking metal magic carpet being like, die shit! <laughs> he fucking gets hit in the air by the like decay yeah. wave and he just goes like, <laughs> like away. Yeah. It's like very, very good. So Shigaraki hobbles onto wherever Redester landed, and uh, he had just finished cutting off his own legs to avoid the decay with just a piece of metal. Redestro is, it really is a bad motherfucker. He kind of like, is. <laughs> he walks to Redestro and is like, what the fuck are we even doing here, guy? Yeah, he, he straight up is like, I don't remember why we're fighting. He hasn't slept ever in his life for like a year and a half, right? So like, okay, he's, like he's like, who are you again? <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's like, oh yeah, I'm here because you called me a little bitch. <laughs> Fucking, and Redestro's doofenshmirtz ass is like looking at him like exhausted, but smiling. I love the look on his face where he's just it's like- It's really cool. He's like, I respect the fuck out of you. Please don't kill me though. <laughs> Just then, Trumpet's fucking Mayor Dewey Mobile shows up and he's like, everybody, go help him. Shigaraki looks at them and negates his quirk because they uh. no longer believe in Trumpet. Like, just that look of, like, your commander has been taken down means that he has nothing <laughs> now, which is like, oh, boy. And then, like, the look on his face when he, like, makes the sevens loud come back to being bracelets, he's just like... <laughs> fuck man like i i all right cool i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna do i'm just gonna hang out it. i'm just gonna stand here on top of my fucking ice cream truck exactly which spinner clung to the back of it's not yeah. super clear but like he comes out and he's just like i skitched that whole thing what the what, fuck what what happened <laughs> yeah what what happened <laughs> 
<laughs> um, Redestro salutes and says, uh, any more bloodshed is unnecessary. He thinks about Destro's will and thinks, if somebody is to lead this army and is going to embody freedom, then Shigaraki is that best candidate. He bows in front of him, like totally subjugating himself and says, the entirety of the metahuman liberation army is yours to command. Um, oh, Shigaraki thinks back to Compress complaining they don't have enough money for even cheap sushi. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're rich. Cool. <laughs> I loved that bit. That was like weirdly heartwarming in a, yeah. you know, genocidal maniac kind of way. I want you to get my my magician friend some sushi. Yeah. <laughs> give him give him some sushi. The the way that they show though like the scene where it's like after working with the yakuza they're like, "Oh, okay, well the yakuza has money, so like we'll be living, you know, yeah. pretty well." And then they're just still in fucking squalor. So it's like it doesn't even come from like him wanting comfort too, but he just knows like, "Hey, like my buddies have been loyal to me and they kind of deserve this and mm -hmm. I'm thinking of them." Mm -hmm. And it's the whole thing with like Toga with him being like, "Now nah, whatever mm -hmm. you once okay you know like it, he he cares about his friends yeah. he cares about like making people feel included and welcome and like actually like respecting their wishes and he knows that at a certain point like he doesn't run things like overall he doesn't like run things where it's like nah you serve me don't fucking complain mm -hmm. i'll kill you like he he wants them to like he does it's very weird for a guy who's all about like fucking fear and destroying shit he doesn't lead that way yeah he wants equalization is what he wants, right? Like yeah. he, he wants yeah. everybody to be able to do anything that they want. We get a title card. One week later, we hear Deku's recounting of a fake story that was spread by Feel Good Inc. and the rest of the MLA. The story is that a group of villains used fake info to lure heroes away in order to attack Deka City, um, since that is the like Detnerat headquarters zone. With no heroes around, the brave, normal, totally not secret army citizens banded together and killed all 20 of the villains that attacked. So do you remember that in the USJ attack, there was a guy with like bullet fingers? And then later oh, on, yeah. we see yeah. a like yeah. intro of him being a kid and having that sort of Bakugo-like realization of like, oh shit, I'm fucking so cool. And then immediately it cuts to him at the USJ. He, he was there and is dead now. So oh, okay. <laughs> it's so it's such a weird, sad thing of just like this kid never had a chance in this hero society mm -hmm. being fucking bullet boy did not work out for him ever. He became a villain, then went to jail, got out and then was used as a scapegoat for a fake villain attack by real villains on other realer villains like whoops. Sorry, bud. Deku says that many saw this event as the reason why people need to be able to use quirks freely, but others say it made the situation worse and the damage worse because there's a giant fucking crater at the beginning, in the middle of the city. At the MLA headquarters, everyone is enjoying sushi except for Dobby, who complains that he and Compress didn't get character development here. Next season, guys. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, twice is mourning Toga, who seems to have died. Oh, he's mourning the fake. Oh. That was so funny. It's <laughs> oh so my good. god. <laughs> the real one is a okay and styling as fuck. Just vibing, yeah. Twice his voices are getting a little bit worse here, but and more fractured. But he's he's okay. Trumpet and skeptic come in and gather the league for a presentation. Um, they head down to a hidden bunker beneath the hidden mansion where a big crowd of people are gathered, Machia included. Redestro addresses the crowd of liberation fighters. Um, he says. The army will now be reborn as he sits in the most extra wheelchair of all time. 
next to a dripped out as fuck Shigaraki. Fuck yeah, the dude. The red coat is good. It's real good. Yeah, dude. He's that dude fly as fuck. He's bandaged up and has like braces on and stuff like that and cast. Doesn't fucking matter. But he's, he's st- he still looks like he's at the Met Gala, yeah. which is extremely hilarious to me. He looks like what every Bond villain thinks they are. Oh, my God. And now he is that. Yeah. Like with with his own only remaining hand on his face, um, he says the league and the MLA will unite under a new name. The name was come up with by um, Redestro and Spinner, which is a really interesting detail. Yeah. Spinner becomes very important in the group going forward that's cool um, that's good which is really awesome they are uniting under a new name the paranormal liberation front yeah all right i love that yeah name. I, I think it's, it's great so fucking cool. yeah it's so cool way way better than league of villains holy shit dude yeah that man. name fucking sucks <laughs> <laughs> he's like so marketing wise we decided to do away with the villain angle to make it more inclusive i love that little line yeah it's true though yeah is anybody gonna, gonna want to join your one hundred thousand person army if you were like we're the batty gremlins <laughs> or whatever yeah. like, no I mean, dude i am a batty gremlin so <laughs> true true time to start a new final fantasy 14 yeah uh, hell yeah first name batty last name gremlin <laughs> Regardless, though, he says the name is the same as the hand on my face, a mere decoration. From now on, we'll do what we want. I do love that, like, Shigaraki is so cringe sometimes, and then other times he's just like, it's just a fucking name. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he's just, sometimes he's so cool, and then other times he's, like, bitching about his gamer score. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My NFTs are tanking. He doesn't talk like that anymore, though. Shit. Yeah. Um, now it's just my NFTs are tanking. My NFTs are tanking. Yeah. <laughs> Redestro is a total bootlooker, brown noser now that he has a just, boss. Yeah. And I love that. He's like, very good, Mr. Shigaraki. <laughs> <laughs> the like smoke coming off of his hands was so funny. He's just turned into a total yes man and like. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> to be fair, if someone chop, makes you chop your legs off. Yeah. I feel like you gotta kind of know your place. You ever beat someone so bad within an inch of their life that they just become your servant? And it makes sense, too, because, like, plot-wise, his his purpose has been served. So yeah. this switch, one, makes sense with him being, like, the business, like, like I said, fucking brown noser, fucking bootlicker motherfucker. Yeah, just a businessman. And two, like, he's he's done. He doesn't need to do stuff anymore, really. So he's... He's clear to be just in the background now. He's like, hey, do you need me to go like get coffee or like? And he's like, leave. And he's like, right away. <laughs> Can I just like run to the store and pick you up something? Like, I got to do something here, bud. Like, it's kind of cool too seeing like Spinner have a bigger role yeah. right after this transition happens because like it almost kind of feels like him embracing the idea of like, some people actually are just followers and like maybe i need to know my role in all of this i think it is also cool that he introduced like his lieutenants but like didn't do it individually it was just everybody all at once because they were just all like on the same equal footing so shigaraki talks to the doctor via communicator in his remaining hand and says that since makia listened to him it's time for that power that he promised um episode 113 the final episode that we're going to be covering until season six comes out, obviously, uh, the high deep blue sky. Weirdly, 
this episode was more emotional to me, and we'll get into that later okay. All than right. the other ones. Um, Hawks recognizes, Dosh, shit, it's too late now. Um, <laughs> I can't stop <laughs> the league from within. He's like, why did I fucking kill Genist? He remembers showing Dobby the body of best Genist, and Dobby's like, I don't really even care if it's him or not, but you killed somebody, so <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which is, like, extremely funny. I just love how detached Dobby is about everything. He's just, like, whenever he sees somebody die, he's like, gross. <laughs> um, Hawks notes that Shigaraki uh, now has the same power, if not more so, than a hero agency on his side. Probably, I'd argue, like, way more. Way more. Um, so much more. <laughs> just... Not even in, not even a question. Shout out to literal Raven from the Teen Titans in the crowd. I don't know if either of you guys noticed it, but oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see that either. They have fun with their crowd shots. Yeah, Hawks and Dobby talk a bit and tells uh, he's like, "Hey, introduce me to everyone." From here, the earlier part of the season plays out: the book, the code, Endeavor, the kids being forced into work studies, all that. In the manga, it plays out from here. It. it from here, it goes to the Endeavor Agency arc after yeah. this. I think this switch is extremely much better because for me, it plays up the like mystery of what's going to happen more rather than dealing with a situation we already know is coming. That's my opinion. There's There are other differing opinions on that, but I do, I do like this. I liked ending it with My Villain Academia because, as we will see at the very end here, it really leaves it in our mind of like what's at stake and who they're fighting. It's not like this stuff with the villains happens and then we don't we don't hear about it for the rest of right. the season. You know what I, I mean? I think I think this is I mean, also just from like a show structure standpoint, I think like this is definitely a better closer. Yes. It sets the tone a little bit better going out of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I will say talking to all of my manga current friends who whenever this season started, they were kind of a bit like what the fuck? Because it was out of order. Um, as someone who did not read the manga and is just watching along, for me, this order felt really mm. natural and good. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, so Andrew, my husband, he is also manga current. And, like, his – and I we haven't had, like, a whole, like, discussion about it. But, like, from my understanding, he likes this restructure, too. And, like, he thinks that it makes sense and, like, run, you know, works better. There is a trap that a lot of um, manga current people get into where – Pretty much no matter what happens, the anime is going to be trash comparatively when it's 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 not treated as an adaptation of an original work. It's treated as like they didn't do the manga right. It's like it's not the manga. It's not. Yeah, it's going to be different. And even though you may be used to anime sticking close to manga a lot, there's no fucking disclaimer at the front that says we're trying to do the manga exactly. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true with like every adaptation of anything honestly You've, have you seen the shining <laughs> <sighs> people can use like a medium however they want to right but like i also think that like and this is just like my opinion i've always had like like different mediums like kind of require different things or like I, I or can convey different things and so like if you have something that's universal across everything um i feel like you're not necessarily like using like a like a medium the way that you could be which is part of the reason why like i think i'm less into like games like the last of us being games is because sometimes i watch them and there there are so many games that are so focused on being movies where i'm like you just wanted to make a movie 
Like you just you just wanted to make a TV show. Like you could have just done that. And, and like, granted, I'm sure that they're gonna do stuff different, like in the TV show, right. right? With like and like the last like and I'm not saying like the last of us is a bad story or bad game or whatever. Like I don't want anybody I to am. come at me. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not my but like thing. to me, like if you're not like doing something different with adaptations, or if you're not like if you are choosing to create a TV show or a book or manga or or like art or photography like if you're not doing something that like i don't know like i said you don't have to justify anything to me you can you can do whatever you want to really but in my opinion it is elevated when like there is a reason for the choice that you're making and like a tv show is going to be different than manga like it just is and like i think that's something that should be embraced tv is a horizontally oriented (laughs) thing and manga is a vertically oriented thing like in its in its only difference yeah in its inception you have to present the material differently you know yeah like there's just going to be like nothing that is being converted into any other form is going to be an exact like you know spit it out it's the exact same thing and i think that if it is yeah it's kind of a little bit boring so like we should roll with it the way i always think of adaptations is i think of them as like languages like in this case like the manga and the anime would be like translating something from like russian to spanish like not everything's gonna work one-to-one if you translate it one-to-one it's just Mm -hmm. gonna sound like shit or look like shit because that's just not how those languages are built you know yeah words are gonna change right yeah it's like localization means like different cultural references will have to be you know what i mean like things are gonna be different yeah Uh, there's just this this uh this sentiment that like season five was botched they botched my villain academia and in my opinion that is like Empty headed. <laughs> like I feel I had a good time. <laughs> I know. And and that I, that's that's I don't I don't care if y'all thought it was botched. I had a good fucking time. Ex- exactly. And it's like fine. the manga was better. Like, yeah, because you don't have to animate it. Like you can yeah. get those wild stills of Shigaraki. You can you can get through that faster. You can get through it at your own pace, exactly. And what yeah. I think a lot of people run into with anime is one, you're watching it week to week, which I think necessarily is detracting from the experience of watching a story. Imagine if you played The Last of Us in half hour spurts, you'd fucking hate the pacing of that. Um, Mm -hmm. When it's designed to be a thing that's not half hour by half hour, you're not watching the fucking Rugrats. But also, you know, the the pace of your reading is going to dictate what you want the pace to be in in a lot of ways. How long you look at the fucking picture before turning the page. If you zoom in, if you take a screenshot to show your girlfriend or whatever, you know what I mean? Like there's so many things that control pace that differ from medium to medium and cam it literally is a language like people talk about the yeah. language of film like it's yeah it's, absolutely it's a thing yeah there's syntax in, implied and all that sort of shit later at ujiko's lab we get another uh intro to quirk singularity doomsday saying that people's bodies are just not they're they ain't swollen enough for all these wild quirks that are happening um and like all these bigger drawbacks that are happening and stuff like that which makes sense this research was originally for all for one, but it, he's going to put it to work on Shigaraki. Then it's revealed why we don't see Shigaraki at the beginning of this season. He's been getting tubed and just in horrendous pain for four months. Which is like horrific to think about mm-hmm. because already you're like watching the fight with him and Redestro and you're like, oh man, Deku's fucked. And then it's like, and then this happens and you're like, oh no, Deku's fucked. And, and they don't even make it clear what is what is happening to Shigaraki mm-hmm. here. Like I know what's going to happen to him. And it's just like, all, all you guys know is like, 
oh shit, he's going in the tube or whatever. <laughs> like, oh no. Even base Shigaraki, based in red pilled Shigaraki, <laughs> is like already probably too much for Deku right now, right? Oh, one million percent. That dude would kill him in a heartbeat. Are you kidding? He could go to the base of the mountain or the the hill that UA's on and just ruin UA from afar. He doesn't need to mm-hmm. go up and be like, oh, listen, I'm a bad guy and I'm whatever. Like, but he's getting this hefty upgrade to be able to become the next all for one, mm-hmm. um, which is Yoi. Um, Shigaraki's like, my arm is super fucked up uh, and I only used my quirk one time. So that, that fucking blows. And Ujiko's like, that's totally fine. Like, don't underestimate heroes anymore. And after this, after this upgrade, you're gonna be good to fucking go. You're gonna be able to take uh, one for all, even. And he's like, "Oh shit, really?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know what that means yet, but I do mm. believe it." But the two are going to be clashing, and uh, until we see that happen, uh, this is where we leave Shigaraki for now. Hey, the intro is fixed. It like weirdly gave me butterflies to see like, yeah, it was, it was like, my yeah. hero, dude. Yeah. Fucking vibing, love the fucking <laughs> song, dude. Yeah. But then we get one of my other favorite songs, ironically, um, motherfucking superstar. <laughs> because I, uh, God, yeah. What a song to drive home how like back with the goofy old boys we are. <laughs> yeah, but also we say fuck now, except we don't. It was yeah. censored out, but you know we thought about saying <laughs> fuck. <laughs> So it's it's time for us to get um, back to the day of the symbol of sweets thing, right? All Might teaching the kids while Aizawa and Mike are off having like just the maybe the second worst day of their life. Just a real bad time. Fucking <laughs> the shit present Mike was saying. We'll get to that. Dude. We'll get to that. Um, the- <laughs> oh, lot the kids are showing off their new moves and everything that they've learned and we're basically getting a a catch-up i thought that this was going to be the first episode of next season where you know you always have a like a reintroduction it had that feeling a little bit um so aoyama has naval saber which is very good kaminari is like i want a sword it's like shut up about the sword you're so dumb (laughs) hagakure is able to bend light which rules it can go through her like further adding to the vibe of like she doesn't turn her body invisible she just just refracts all the light around her and she just am invisible there's no you can't turn it off so cool um Mm -hmm. as far as i know that is the case and mina who has a new move acid man yeah it's so good acid man (laughs) they were stationed with number 10 hero yaroi musha the equipped hero um Mina is the cutest, and I would die for her if only she would say the word. Her, her coming up and being like, "Hey, hey, do you know why I do that? I got, I got the idea from Unbreakable." And I'm like, "I love you." I just, they're so they're they're friends. I do love that. Like my Libra representation in my hero mm-hmm. is Kirishima and Mina. Yeah. I'm like, those are, those are the two, like, Libras in the class, and I'm just like, they're so good. <laughs> Romantically yeah. or not, I love these two as just, like, a group of, of kids that are that are hanging out, like... Yeah, they're perfect. 
I I cannot so I I absolutely love them. I cannot ship them though because to me Kirishima is a hundred percent gay and I love that for him. Yeah. And Mina is a polyamorous pansexual and I love sure. and I yeah. love that for her. Who ghosts all her partners? <laughs> all of that yes. checks out. So the rest of the kids, um, Ojiro and Sato, were with Lion Hero Shishido. Um, who is number 13 on the charts. Shishido is literally just from Horikoshi's other manga, Crazy Zoo. Kind of had a feeling. I'm like, oh, that's an animal, probably from the other thing. He was the Bakugo of that anim- or that manga. Nice. Jiro and Shoji were with Gang Orca, number 12 on the charts, who I guess he fell in the charts just because he was too busy training the next generation and wasn't in the public oh, eye. Oh, no. Oh, no, yeah. I feel like he probably doesn't give a shit, though. No, no. Yeah. When you're like when you're like number six listed under like heroes that look like villains, I would probably be like, ah, fuck you, dude. I also feel like top twenty and up, pretty good place to be just anyway. And also, I really just don't think Gang Orca gives a shit about where he's ranked. No, he's got he's basically a Power Rangers villain. Yeah. Yeah. With the with the putties with him and shit, like yeah. he's fine. Yeah. Mineta, Kaminari, and Sarah were with uh, Mount Lady, who gets the name the the Miniyama Hero, which I believe is a mountain, which is very good. She is number twenty three on the charts, but she's with Edshot, who is I believe number three, and Kamui Woods, who is nine. I fucking love that team so much. Team Lurkers whips. Yeah. Good team. I would watch oh. a show that's just them. I think. Same. Got good news for next season, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, Coda was with Wash, which is never ever going to be not hilarious to me because Wash only says Wash, 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 <laughs> and Coda's whole thing is talking. He wants to learn how to speak more effectively to animals. <laughs> God, it's so funny. And uh, Manga Fukudashi is also with him on and that too, which is like just extremely good. That's- um, really funny. Tokiyami um, is with Hawks, number two, but Hawks isn't there because he's busy doing big, big spy stuff. Kirishima was with Fat Gum, who is number 58, a, a good, respectable 58. Momo was with a hero called Majestic, who we never get a ranking for, but he he's in like the 20s-ish. We see him in the uh, the third movie. Majestic whips ass. He's He looks like if... Mr. Compress smoked a lot of weed. I know who you're talking about. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, is that? No, no. Okay, okay, okay. His quirk is that he can, like, make flying discs, basically. Yes, okay, yes. The third movie was really good at showing you, like, here's all these cool pros that you yeah, kind totally. of might know. I love that. And, of course, Bakugo, Shoto, and Deku uh, were with Endeavor, number one. I, I Like, in... In Japanese and English, just present Mike just being like, number one. I'm like, yay. Even though I'm like, I don't care. We knew this, but yeah. I knew that they were with number one, but it's just like, he's like, number one. I'm like, wee. Like, I'm very excited about it. All Might watches the kids, especially Deku, and thinks about all that's happened until now. Almost like it's a season finale. What the fuck? What? He says, you don't look back at me anymore, and you don't have to look back anymore. EK Shonen, or go ahead, kid. That shit made me cry good. today. It's good. It was really good. It like I was already my emotions were super fucking high. Yeah. And like that line, and then the ending a uh, bit that we'll get to in a second with Aizawa and, and All Might. Both of those wrecked me further, and I was like, this show, like I gotta fucking get it together. I gotta record a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's why. That's why you were like, I'm gonna be a little bit late. I'm like, don't take your don't time worry about it. 
I had to go play Loop Hero anyway, so if you didn't call it, I was gonna call it. <laughs> Dude, I I like woke up and I I told both Nate and Cam this. Like I woke up way later than I wanted to, and I like immediately texted our little group chat and I was like, oh shit, I gotta watch the episodes. I'm gonna be like 30 minutes late. Uh, give give me a second. I'm gonna go. And so I drag myself like half asleep and like get on the couch and start watching these. And I'm just like, it was way too early for me to cross this season of yeah. that's why yeah I wanted to be like if 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 we weren't on kind of a tight schedule I would have been like listen dude next week or whatever but Cam's moving a bunch of stuff is happening so it's like dude I finished these episodes and then I'm like okay well I need to go work out now <laughs> and so I was just like doing ring fit but like in the back of my mind, I was like that fucking gif of that girl dancing, but like bawling her eyes out. That was me. <laughs> Just like pu- pushing the ring together, like, but you can't ah! quite get it. <laughs> Let me tell you, squats, squats hit different whenever you're emotional. <laughs> Everyone catches up after internships, but Uraraka and Deku get the spotlight here. He apologized for worrying her with Black Whip, but she shakes it off saying, well, hey, thanks to you. I had this idea for these cables in my and my thing um aizawa and mike are back from the loud cloud thing which did happen that day aizawa asks mike what he'd do if he knew where the nomus were being made since clearly the hero commission knows more than they're letting on um and he's like i'd have a surprise karaoke contest with them and boil their guts while their ears bleed i'm like okay bud all right do you need to do you want to do you want to talk about it like you good? Bro. <laughs> you can feel that Mike and Aizawa are going to be oh. doing some shit next season. Like, they are yeah. posturing up for this. He said that line, though, and I'm like, the friendship between Aizawa and Mike all made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got it anyway, but he said that and it's just like it because it truly is like you always see like the like the really happy bubbly person with like the fucking like dark angsty whatever. And then like something happens and you see like and, and you know, like shit's real when like the bubbly person is like fucking yeah, like saying that stuff and, say. and you're just like, OK, I get it. And, like the way that he said that just so matter of factly, mm-hmm. that fucker meant he it. had it in the clip to say like, yeah, he would do that right now though like something that i love is that aizawa like has no reaction to it where it's just like okay you know that these two have like gotten drunk before and like had these conversations and aizawa knows that mike's a little fucking weird yeah that was (laughs) too specific to be made up so a problem with airy interrupts the conversation here aizawa rushes to her to deactivate her quirk her horn has gotten much bigger since the last time we saw her. Uh, interestingly, she says that her horn itches. Um, Shigaraki is a lot like Eri. We talked about this before. A quirk no one knew about manifested and caused her family to die or separate. And now she's a rescued, happy little candy apple girl. Whereas Shigaraki looks like he's allergic to knowing what a shower is. <laughs> they could have ended up the same way or, you know, yeah. alternatively... If anything, her power might be more destructive. Literally, yeah. Yeah. And it's more it's definitely more philosophically scary. Horrifying on like a cosmic level. Mm-hmm. Well, when when overhaul is like, she could turn you back into a monkey, I'm like, could she? Okay, can we can we, I know we're fighting, but like What? What? Can can we tell tell me about could this? Could you please elaborate <laughs> no. a little more? You have to have seen this before. What happened? I love that Aizawa says to Eri, it's fine now, you are here. Like, you yeah. are here at UA. Like, yeah. that's big brain shit of just like, 
It's fine now, not because I am here, but you're with us. I'm like, <laughs> thanks, Aizawa, for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Jess wishes. In the in what I guess has always been called the nap room, which is very funny to me. <laughs> Deku and Bakugo are meeting with All Might. He couldn't get info on everyone that was a previous holder since the early days were a total fucking shit zone. But he does have a lot. He knows five of the seven quirks. Um, and the info on their users. Uh, two of these are Black Whip and One For All, of course, but the others are honestly not all that interesting, says Bakugo. And that's because the holders of this power weren't fucking chosen ones or anything. They just happened to be there when the power needed to be passed on. And because of All For One, they all died before the age of 40. And even the one that I know that got to the age of 40, he was an outlier. So All Might is the oldest by far, because he had the power for maybe 40 years himself and he is the uh only living member here and he has an idea of what deku needs to try and manifest next his master nana shimura seventh wielder of one for all's quirk float cam is touching his face dramatic parallels yeah hmm <laughs> I wonder why they spent the last two episodes telling us that Shigaraki is related to her. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm. Um, I fucking love Bakugo's reaction. It's so good. Like, on a lighter note, hit, like just him being like, like that, that shit was hilarious. It was so good. Bakugo's fucking incredible in this episode. They're both hilarious, the sub and the dub. I like the Japanese even a little bit more because he just, he leans in and goes, ha! <laughs> it's, like, it's so cartoony um he's like i can already fly i've been doing this since i was five i flew out the pussy dude fuck you <laughs> so while you're at fucking weenie hut jr i'm gonna be getting better and you're gonna fucking die qed <laughs> i do love too though that like deku is getting a little bit better at like having conversations with bakugo yeah. and like standing up yeah. for himself because he wasn't he didn't just like shut up and he was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna do a good job too they're like developing a relationship which is really great he's like no i'm gonna get better and fight you and be better than you <laughs> there's there's way more of a respect of each other there than there used to be and that's really cool cliff here rules though he's like die and then Deku's like, you got to really stop saying that. And he's like, die. You need to stop telling me to die, buddy. Like but just the like the two syllable die. is so good. I love my children. My sons. It's so it's like so good to have them back. Yeah. Later that night, Deku and Bakugo arrive at the uh, semester end hot pot. Um, Shoto can't chop onions to save his fucking life. And Bakugo is like, you shame, you shame your sister. Like. It's so fucking, it's just nice to be with these kids again and see him smile. And once again, I like it embodies fucking Bakugo's whole, whole personality to that interaction where like Todoroki comes up and he's like, oh, you're really good at that. He's like, no, you're just fucking bad at it. Yeah. Like, cause it's just, that's such a Bakugo yeah. thing to say. It's so funny. They've also had this conversation before at the, at the, uh, at mm -hmm. the camp where like mm -hmm. Shoto is like, wow, you're really good at this. And he's like, you know, you're just really bad. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so funny. Cause that's just like really his whole thing. Yeah. Like even with Deku too, it's like, he's not like, he is like Bakugo he's he's a shit starter he's a little bit of a punk he's a bully yeah. you know but like he it like that really is his like guiding philosophy though right is he just like wants people to be competent yeah and he gets frustrated like being around people who aren't he doesn't care about niceties or like taking up time with just like trying to 
get in someone's good graces he's just like fucking get better dude what the fuck are you doing well like that's his whole frustration in the last scene too with like all might and deku is he's just like y'all need to stop like just fucking sitting here with your notebooks taking in the notes nap about room other people and like <laughs> yeah yeah in the nap room and like you need to like get your shit together he's like i'm so tired of the time that you are wasting which it's like not necessarily wrong after these last few episodes i really fucking needed everybody just having some hot pot together <laughs> yeah dude i want i just i just needed that this shit made me want to order fuss so bad yep. no Same. fucking kidding <laughs> yeah but yeah no here, here's where i started to get a little bit sappy here deku thinks about everything he's been through uh till now and much like myself writing and then you know voicing this right now he reflects on the people that he gets to spend time with and how they've changed his life for the better how he couldn't imagine having the support system that he does and just how happy he is to be part of it all and he and i both say i'm so blessed and in japanese he says i'm too blessed which is an interesting distinction it's wild to know that this is the last episode of this show in this format for at least a year yeah and like deku's journey i feel like this is barely just started but here we are we're out of episodes things move fast and i'm sure that i've missed my fair share of people asking me to pass ponzu but you know while i've been working hard to make this show the best thing that it can be and make it easier for the co-host to just simply watch the show and then show up um nate i've already cried like six <laughs> times today i i know what you're doing don't push it <laughs> But all I can say is that I'm thankful to my co-hosts, my listeners, friends to bounce ideas off of, my partner Boogie for helping me develop these ideas as we talk late into the night about themes and stuff. Thanks to, you know, Julian for the music, Zach for the art, John Gremion, Cliff Chapin, and Justin Briner, and all the folks at Funimation. The wildest shit that that happened still. Mm -hmm. I still can't believe that that is a thing. Yeah. And, you know obviously to My Hero Academia for giving me the inspiration to get the ball rolling on this project that has been my baby for, oh, about two years since its inception in May 2020. I, st we, I, I had the talk with Cam about doing this show long, long, long before any of y'all heard we about this. We talked about this like almost immediately after starting our first show, which became Video Game Robot Show. Mm -hmm. Like not even a fucking week or two. <laughs> yep. However, this episode and its emotional resonance aren't done yet. Yeah, let's just keep fucking kicking us while we're down. Let's just keep going. <sighs> I know. Um, Aizawa goes outside to find All Might contemplating the night sky. Aizawa has a message from Sukauchi that All Might's meeting with Stain is going to have to be delayed till later. And I'm sure both of you were like, oh, I hadn't even thought about the possibility of them I talking. <laughs> I completely forgot that Stain was alive. Yeah. I was about to say the exact same, but I forgot that Stain was alive. Because <laughs> he looked dead as fuck. <laughs> the, in, in the manga, there's one panel of showing him in Tartarus, which I think does a lot of legwork for that. Sure, yeah. Like, no news gets into Tartarus. So Stain doesn't know about All Might's shit. Stain doesn't mm -hmm. know about Small Might. There are some juicy fucking narrative hooks here. And All Might asks Aizawa how Eri is. Like, she's totally fine. Um, I'm going to start training with her next week. And All Might volunteers to help Aizawa. And Aizawa's like, what are you uh, doing out here, bud? What's what's going on? And he's like, it's, it's hard to explain, but I've decided to keep on living. Uh, this feeling of powerlessness in him. He was kind of tortured seeing them improve because he can't help them at that next level. All he can offer is advice and all he can be is you know here aizawa is like 
shut up. <laughs> Basically. Shut the fuck up. Aizawa is like, just by living, you are doing something for those kids and everyone around you. Um, All Might remembers Night Eye's dying smile brought about by him just being there. And Aizawa tells All Might to boldly keep living and don't worry about putting his feet up. I like that. I like that line a lot. Yeah. Like, don't apologize for living and don't forget to put your feet up. This shit whips, dude. I love All Might. I love Aizawa. It hit me so hard. Like, as somebody who... I'm just so... I am also a workaholic, <laughs> like bad. It's yeah. it's bad. I know that I am. And it's like, it's so funny because I never like would describe myself as that. But then like I talk to friends I and <laughs> I know. See, that's the thing is like I would never. And then I talk to friends and they're like, you're so dumb. <laughs> yeah. I've seen your Google calendar, bitch, dude. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> no, they're like, you like so they're like, you feel it. like I I preach the whole like your life is not productivity stuff. But like I can be so bad about that with myself. And like I'm very I'm a very apologetic person. I'm a very like if I feel like I am not being useful in some way, I get really like like bad guilt yeah (laughs) meanwhile you're like making a baby yeah and it's like i mean even like you know and this is like i had like family stuff happen earlier this week and Mm -hmm. i i ended up tweeting about it just kind of like venting because it's way too much of my twitter is me venting and my (laughs) boss saw and my boss reached out to me and was like hey i saw your tweet are you doing okay actually you know what take the rest of the day off finish up whatever you're working on like i need you to like like just and and I even and I messaged him back when we were just like kind of talking about stuff and I was like I just feel really guilty like I feel bad that like I was even hired knowing that I'm gonna have to go on maternity leave this year and like that's just something where like if in my if it were anybody else you'd hit them with the back of a toilet seat dog I, yeah, yeah I would I would be like you dumb bitch like no you heard yeah. that like blah, blah blah but like because it's me like I'm the one who like cries about this and I'm just like would like would they have been better hiring somebody else because I'm such a burden like and like I get super emotional about all this stuff and like I am like I'm a workaholic I'm somebody who if I'm not contributing and I don't feel like I'm at my best and like that's been such a hard thing with like being pregnant is like I am so out of control of my body I'm not on medicine so I can't I feel like I can't control my brain and like my emotions as well as I used to like when you're pregnant you literally can't control your bladder like you used to you know what I mean like everything pissing and shitting and farting (laughs) like everything like it feels like it feels like you're falling apart like it really Mm -hmm. does and it sucks but like that's like that's the reality of being pregnant and I feel like everybody like like it's not something that's like talked about as much as it should be because not everybody goes through it which I understand but at the same time Mm -hmm. I almost wish there was more education about it because it's like you just don't realize like and then on top of everything like your like clothes don't fit anymore too your clothes don't fit anymore you're like I like it feels like parts of your body aren't your own Mm -hmm. it's like you're exhausted all the fucking time like all you want to do is like and then of course they're telling you exercise is good for the baby watch what you eat and it's like bitch I am so fucking tired (laughs) like (laughs) how, how am I supposed to do all of these things like how am I like it feels like you're falling apart and then on top of that like working a full-time job and like having time for hobbies and having time for relationships and friends and having time for like like leisure activities and like to just play a video game or like a podcast about my hero academia or something weird like that yeah like it's just it feels like you're it like it's so hard when you don't have 
what you wish you had to give and like you just feel that guilt and so like I watched that All Might scene and I heard Aizawa say that and I was like weirdly like this is like what I needed to hear because like yeah and everybody tells me that so I can't say I needed to hear it because like I'm told at least three times a week by someone like by your husband alone probably yeah Yeah. and your dog by by both of you by both of you fucking weekly yeah Yeah. like you are making a baby fucking calm like chill yourself we we do kind of bully you into taking a break everybody does yeah. and like i won't make this a huge like fucking rant on myself because like i'm already talking so much and this is such a long episode but it's like <sighs> hey i got news for you this is your podcast fucking go for it <laughs> spit some bars eminem yeah i just i just related to it i related to it so much because like there is like like just such like a unique despair when it's like you feel like you just don't have it and like even when i'm about to have like this kid right and like this idea of like of like somebody who i need to like be there for and like and help and like help them become their own person and like help them like figure out their own strengths and like and grow which is like what he's now doing for these kids he's like he's because teachers in essence are kind of guy you know yeah, like they're, they're, guys, they're parents they're caretakers yeah and it's like like he he's like man how do i when i'm not at my best and when i feel like i just don't have everything that i wish i had to offer how do i help these people because all i know is helping all i know is working like this is the only thing that i've felt good at for 40 years like i don't know how to kick my feet up without feeling like a piece of shit yeah <laughs> you know like and it's that example of like if you met you you would kick your own ass for being like this yeah, 100%. You know? like, and all <laughs> people like myself and him we all need aizawas in our life to be like bitch get over yourself we all like, know that you need an aizawa <laughs> in your life <laughs> <laughs> and for other reasons too but anyway right. i watched <sighs> the scene it was very surprisingly emotional yeah. and i just so i felt for all my so much we see him as just like this like this big character big hero all the time but like his moments of vulnerability like are just so meaningful and so strong and i and i it makes him a better character love it yeah i think this is like such a good way to just because this is like basically the ending of the season yeah it's like this conversation and it's just like such a good just like little like drop note to just kind of end it on yeah it's it's such a good moment like scenes from this are the background on my girlfriend's phone like and not just because you know thirsting for aizawa but like you know yeah toshinori yagi is like the best character in fiction just a good boy just a good boy (laughs) like it's 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 extremely good um and so (laughs) one more one more extremely emotional thing before we before we head out fucking line them up let's go this line though i've decided to keep on living this is this is an extremely important line uh for me i didn't know um how into my shit i really wanted to get in here but i'm one of the many people that at one point made a decision that they didn't want to you know keep on living anymore and uh at the last second before a subway car hit me i backed up instead of jumping and i didn't know why i was 23 then i'm 31 now and sometimes i still don't know why i backed up but I know at least I'm able to be here for people having a hard time, stranger or not, and I know that those people are able to be here for me as well, and I know that I'm able to be a pillar for my partner, whom, as I've stated before, lost her very own All Might in her sort of world. Um, This pandemic, this world, this life, a large portion of it sucks. But 
the lesson that I've learned and the lesson that I think is core to My Hero Academia is that by being our best selves when we can, by being those exceptional people, we can help pick up the slack for the collective when others are unable to be their best selves. Or, you know, we can help people realize that they are already being their best selves. So thanks to heroes in my life, be that, you know, musicians, artists, fans of the works that I make, friends or my partner, I'm proud to be able to say that I am here. And that's not something that everyone can say or even something that I could say a few years ago. So um, anyway, <laughs> Hawks is worried about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Stop! I haven't even been on camera the last couple times because like i've looked so bad but like today i was like fuck it i really which is incorrect i want you guys to know jess is like oh i look so bad no <laughs> certifiably untrue yeah i like i but today i even like i was like fuck it i'm just gonna be on camera because i feel bad even though like my hair is i ugh, anyway but like oh my god y'all have seen my eyes like fucking do the thing where they just like yeah. turn into to, like little i look like a fucking drawing myself and they get all red and i'm just like, don't fucking cry <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm happy that you're here, Nate, and I'm happy we do this podcast. And um, yeah, that's all. <laughs> you're all right. Time time to <laughs> mute my mic and hide. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, uh, anyways, Hawks is worried about the future and is sad that he may be too late to stop things. X day is approaching. <laughs> it's just like, all right, you don't need to brand it, buddy. <laughs> X gonna give it to you. <laughs> oh my god. He has no idea who the backer is here, but he knows that the hospital clue is important. And at that very same hospital, Dr. Ujiko tells a nurse that his research is nearly complete. All he needs now is to wait for the finishing touches. Post-credits, it's spring. Hawks said that by the time the cherry blossoms bloom again, he hopes that we'll all be smiling. Um, and we'll, we'll see about that next season. Ugh. In spring break, the kids are headed to work study when they get notifications to suit up and get ready for a fucking mission right away. And it's... It has the the air of like somebody getting like a group of people getting bad news or like weird news at the same time. You know what I mean? Or of just like, oh, shit, something's happening in the ocean or whatever. You know what I yeah, mean? Like it's, it's like, this weird, this weird energy. I mean, I feel like they've been in this situation before. Not everybody getting called, though. Not everybody, though. Right. But I yeah. feel like the ones who were in that group who were there should have been like, uh and deku kind of was deku yeah. was like shit yeah oh, <laughs> fuck okay all right i better get my big punch gloves ready exactly at the all might statue in kamino a young kid named Dai uh with an endeavor plush is asked by his mom if he's ready for first grade i just love that he's just like mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so fucking cute yeah i also love the touch of like People are buying Endeavor merch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was like looking up at the fist whenever he said that. That's so good. Oh, oh I love, I love, I love the, the, the music in the background too. Uh, in Jakku City, the location of the hospital, Burnin tells the kids that the heroes are waiting to storm the hospital and evacuate the citizens from the city. The League, now the Paranormal Liberation Front, is about to clash with Hero Society, and the resulting conflict will leave both sides with deaths, injuries, successes, and failures. Everything so far has been leading up to this. And next time, when you hear an actual episode of this podcast talking about episodes of My Hero Academia, we will be in the thing that I have been looming over our heads the entire time. It's time for the war arc. Yeah, no, whenever they were setting this up, I'm just like, 
This seems like the start of a war arc. <laughs> what are we? Some kind of war exactly. Arc? <laughs> the hell are we? Some kind of my hero academia? <laughs> yeah, guys. Um, I'm ragging on myself for saying favorite so much, but like, the war arc is the best part of my hero academia, hands down. I uh, yeah, I've heard that from yeah. manga readers that it's just fantastic. I'm really excited. I'm also scared, but I'm ready to get hurt. Yeah. Yes, but like. In like a year or however long it takes. There's a yeah. pandemic going on. Take your time. Yeah. Exactly. We'll be here. It's fine. I'm so excited. It's going to be good. Yeah. And it's like, I think that the structure of this season that we just talked about, like, was actually really excellent <laughs> in terms of like heroes. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is like everybody you need to know from like the hero side. And now we're going to go into villains. And now we're going to wrap it up in a bow and go back to the people that you know. And like, yeah. then we're going into this because this is like, I mean, I don't know, but this it's it seems like it's going to be like a very it seems weird seeing character driven. The entire show is fucking character driven, but it's just like, you know, all of the players intimately now, you know, like all of the backstories that you need to know. And like now it's time to watch all of these people who like you have like, I don't know, like I, I don't think that you can watch the my villain stuff and not have sympathy and understanding for totally. like all yeah. of these people. <laughs> um you know, so like it's it's going to be an interesting clash. If anybody listening knows about the the Marine Ford arc in One Piece, it was like halfway through the manga. Literally everybody shows up and there's a big fight between dead ass everybody that we know the name of. And maybe one person will show up for five seconds and you'll be like, Aah! and then they're and then, you know, they do their thing. And then that's all you see from them. But you're just like, fuck those Mirko or whatever. But it's it's uh, it's going to be very good. Yeah. So anime good that's fine i think i think anime great today i'm so excited to not have to open this now 282 page document <laughs> oh, oh god i can't wait attack on titan's probably gonna be worse i i don't know less episodes there will be less Bro, episodes i quit taking notes on this show like three-fourths of the way through the first season <laughs> yes yes um. yeah <laughs> and if my memory was an absolute dog shit um and i needed to say my dumb shit you know all the time um i wouldn't have taken notes either but so everyone yeah. thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the big three next time we're going to be talking about the second movie which is heroes rising yeah I fucking love that movie. I have not seen it. I think it's my favorite one, even if there were like, there's like a couple, I think I've talked about this before in the show, and there's like a little bit of stuff I would tweak about it, but uh, I love this. I'm very excited to uh, to to watch that one with y'all and just see it again in general, because I love it so much. If you liked these episodes or think that we missed something, hit us up at, at the big three MHA on Twitter or check out our Discord link in the description. And if you want to rate this podcast five stars on either apple podcasts or spotify now and upload a five-star review screenshot to the hashtag big wet sloppy kiss we'll give you a little shout out nate will open mouth big wet sloppy kiss you over twitter you want to taste these canker sores <laughs> oh, oh, jesus fucking christ nate you want to taste what these tonsils is like dog oh. um <laughs> so i gotta go Wanna I want to fucking die. <laughs> um, I don't know why I have like a Jersey accent <laughs> yeah. whenever I say anything. You want to fucking deep throat me? Um, anyway. God. Check out somegoodshows.biz for more good shows like this one. Um, more of just bits like that, I guess. Honestly, yes. 
Our show art is by Zach Russell. You can find their work at at Cavity Crew. I just got the final artwork for the Attack on Titan series because there will be multiple art things for that. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's very good. Uh, our music is by Julian V. Their work can be found at at Jules VZ. And with that, I can be found at at Victory Position on Twitter. I can no longer be found. I'm too sad. <laughs> 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 but my Twitter handle is uh, at a wild Uh I can be found at at the Camden. And this has been the big three. Peach. 